Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. Now, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, live from the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, site of the Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. This is the Bald, bald Face Faced Truth. Truth. A lovely day here at the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club in Aloha, Oregon. Supporting the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. We have been here since 10 a.m. and we've been interviewing celebrities. We have a great show ahead of you today. We've been catching up with the likes of Miss America USA, Mike Jorgensen from the University of Oregon, a couple of K2 reporters and anchors, Portland State basketball coaches, Mike Walter, former NFL player, and many more. You're going to hear from them all over the course of the next three hours. My name is Sean McPherson. Joining me today, Jim Ferretti, KXL News Director. He's been a big help here at the golf course. The usual host of this show, John Canzano. He's out golfing. He is out running this thing, as is Anna. Hoping to hear from them later today. But, Jim, just a fantastic event. A lovely day. Couldn't ask for better weather. It's a little hot, but nonetheless, it's uh, it's a beautiful day. Um, I'm sure exactly what they had hoped for weather. And uh, for a great foundation, a great cause. I'll tell you what, we get to hang out in the shade. We get to go out in the sun, talk to people. This is a great cause. You know, the Bald Face Truth Foundation has been around since 2009, helping make the difference in lives of more than 14,000 children in the area, you know, enriching opportunities, experiences, uh, everything from music equipment to athletic equipment. You know, some of their success stories in, include the Oregon Wildfire Family Fund, the new iPads for Victory, Prescott Elementary got a bunch of stuff as well, Kindergarten, kindergarten at Barnes Elementary, even the football program at Park Rose High School has benefited from this program, and, of course, Camp Exceptional, which is next week. So if you don't know about that, we'll tell you about that too here soon. Yeah, one of our first interviews we're going to hear from Zach Kramer. He's been part of Camp Excep- Exceptional for nine years going and he had a lot to say about just how much it's meant to him to be able to uh you know participate in a camp like that and really that's the main goal of the bft foundation supporting kids in art music education and athletics because at the end of the day jim not everyone can afford those things and you know so it sounds like the bft foundation's goal is to kind of put put kids in a situation kind of be an equal opportunity uh, nonprofit foundation to be able to, you know, give some of those kids those resources that some don't get. No, absolutely. You know, when I was in high school or even middle school, you know, it didn't cost me $200 to play baseball or $500 to play football or whatever it costs these days uh, to get a musical instrument. We had those at the schools. It's not the case these days, sadly. And this is where the foundation comes in and it helps these organizations make up what, for what we've already lost and give these kids the same opportunities that we had growing up. The show's going to have a ton of interviews. You're going to be able to, like I said, hear from all sorts of our celebrity golfers we've caught up. We, we've been pretty much doing interviews for four hours ongoing, and you're going to hear all of it in a three-hour course. And we're hoping, even though we haven't talked to them yet, John and Anna Canzano, hopefully they can be a guest on their own show a little bit <laughs> later today. But our first interview, let's go ahead and, uh, and hear from Zach Kramer. Like I said, he is 
a um, he's a teenager at this point, but he's been a part of uh, Camp Exceptional. Again, the proceeds of this golf tournament, part of them are going to Camp Exceptional. He's been a part of that for the last nine years, and he's gone from a camper at Camp Exceptional to now being a volunteer. It means a lot to him, and let's hear what he has to say. We're back here at the Bald Face Truth Foundation Golf Tournament, and we are joined by a special guest, Zach Kramer. Zach, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. So talk to me about Camp Exceptional, because I know that you've been involved in Camp Exceptional for a very long time, nine years, if I'm if I'm correct there? Yep, going into the ninth year. So what? Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about Camp Exceptional? Uh, camp is Camp Exceptional is a camp. Uh, it's for ages five to fifteen, uh, of all abilities, and it's just five days in the morning. Everybody comes and has a great time. Different sports, learning different abilities, basic sports. Uh, we have basketball, uh, baseball, all kinds of sports. Zach, how'd you get started in Camp Exceptional? Um, ooh, I think my dad heard about it on uh, John Show and. Uh, signed me up because he thought it would be fun and it was do you remember nine years ago what was it like going to that situation with all those people out there um it was a lot smaller when they started it was 50 kids and it was oh it was a lot of fun I, it was a lasting impression that i've come back every year what's your favorite part about it um i like meeting the people uh all the volunteers are very nice all the kids are super fun and have their own personalities and it's great learning more about them as the week goes on and I like that it includes everybody and, and all abilities, all disabilities, everybody is equal. So when you started it, um, how did that change you? Did it change you? Did you? Did it make you feel stronger about yourself when you went to the camp? I mean, I'd say it did. It made me feel a lot more confident in athletics and in my sporting abilities. It's something I've always struggled with, um, and I feel like it's made me a lot better. So it's made you, you think, a better athlete. Out oh, Any other skills that you feel like you've gained? You know, nine years at Camp Exceptional, it's been a big part of your life. How, it, how else do you feel like it's shaped you? I, I, it's given me a lot of social skills, too. It's something I've very much struggled with as a kid. And it's been nice getting to meet people every year, revisiting old people that I've met, getting just social interaction with other people. So, Zach, my daughter's gone to the camp a couple times, and I've watched her do her thing, and uh, I sit back and go, oh, my gosh, that is hard to do. I couldn't do that. What's the hardest thing for you at one of these camps, whether it's something physical or, or something that you've had to deal with mentally? I've found, especially as a volunteer, keeping up with the kids. They, <laughs> they keep you busy, and it's fun watching them all run around, and you're running along with them. Well, you said it there. You went from camper to volunteer now, right? Yes. So what do you do when you're there? Um, we're supporting the kids. We're making sure they're having fun, um, making sure all the activities are running good, making sure everybody's having a great time. Does that mean a lot to you, just knowing how much you know, how much time you spent as a camper there and you spent nine years, and clearly it's meant a lot to you as being a camper. What does it mean to you for being a volunteer and helping give that back a little bit? I mean, there's great pressure in making sure everybody's having a good time. You want to make sure everybody's having the same experience it's something that's very important to me is making sure everybody's having as much fun as i did did you ever find yourself when you were a camper saying no i can't do that i don't want to do that not really and it, even if i ever did uh, volunteers are always great about encouraging and making sure that everybody can do it and that's a big part of camp and have you seen kids now as a volunteer who say i can't do that yeah 
of course there's always some maybe there's some hesitancy in trying something new or a skill that maybe you're not the best at and there's always a group of volunteers will gather and try and get them and rally for that kid so you got a lot of people listening right now who may want to either donate to the BFT Foundation, help the the Camp Exceptional. What do you want to say to them to say, hey, listen, your money is going to help a lot of people? I, I'd say you, you're not going to find anyone more dedicated to making sure kids of all abilities are having fun than at Camp Exceptional. We have people of all ages coming out to camp, 5 to 15 years old, all age groups, all abilities. Every, I mean, we've been going for nine years. There's clearly something there that's keeping people coming back, and that's a great thing to hear. So what's made you the most nervous today, talking to us or meeting people out front? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure either. That I was, I'm great. Like I said, camp gave me a lot of social skills. Awesome. There you have it. There you have it. Well, Zach, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time to put on the headset and talk about your experience with Camp Exceptional. It sounds like a sounds like a great great experience for you. So I thank you for sharing it. Yeah, thank you guys. That was awesome. That was one of my favorite interviews so far today. And Jim, I mean, the case is like the the thing is we've been interviewing celebrities throughout the day, people that are used to being interviewed. But Zach. You know, isn't necessarily, you know, he's, he's just part of Camp Exceptional. He's just a teenager. He's not someone that's used to being interviewed, and yet he was not nervous at all. I asked him afterwards, are you used to being interviewed? Was that your first interview? And he's like, no, all the time. You know, I've had I've had TV interviews, so that was nothing. And then, plus, you, you watch Zach, you know, ride around in a golf cart. He's kind of in his element around here, and he credits all of that to Camp Exception. And what you said earlier, or, or what we'll, you'll hear later on, is when we talked with Nikki Torres and with Wesley Ogle, you know, about interviewing people, and we talked about the fact that it's hard to interview some people. I was kind of thinking, okay, interviewing a teenager, this is going to be difficult. And it is, you know, I've interviewed hundreds of people, and sometimes they give you those one-word answers. Man, he was on the spot, man. He was good. Now, if you want to know more about the BFT Foundation and you want to make sure you can help, there's several ways to do that. Um, you know, donate online, play in this golf tournament, uh, support Camp Exceptional. But if you want to get part, be part of the BFT Foundation, you need help, there's a grant application on their website, baldfacetruth.org. Go there, submit your application, and who knows what's going to happen. Well, awesome to hear from Zach Kramer uh, in this segment and talk about the BFT Foundation. But like I said, plenty more to come on this three-hour special edition of the Bald Face Truth. Later on, we're going to hear from Mike Jorgensen of the Oregon Ducks football radio broadcast, color analyst, for Oregon football. We're going to hear from both Portland State basketball coaches in one interview. We're going to hear from a couple of K2 reporters. We're going to hear from Miss America, or excuse me, Miss Oregon USA. Uh, she's trying to be Miss America. And um, after talking to her, I think she has a chance. So maybe that's the uh, the misconception there in, in my mind. But uh, we're going to talk to Miss Oregon later on today and several others. Plus, we're going to talk about the biggest sports topics like we always do on the bald face truth. But for now, we're going to take our first break of the day. Be sure to stay tuned to the bald face truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Not John Canzano today. It is Sean McPherson here with you, Jim Ferretti. He just left. He is watching Miss Oregon 
uh, wrap up. I'm not sure which hole that is, so I'm not going to guess the number. But she's right in front of us wrapping up a hole with her team, Team NSI. Each celebrity is part of a team uh, with other people involved here in this tournament, the BFT Foundation Golf Tournament. And they're just uh, they're doing best ball format, and they are scattered all around the course. And right now, Miss Oregon, it's one celebrity per team. So her team is right in front of us, and you're going to hear her later this hour. We'll play her interview. Got a chance to to learn about Miss Oregon earlier t today, and uh, she is quite she's uh, she's quite the uh, what's the right word? She is very ambitious, and she is a go-getter. Um, that's I think the way that I would describe her. She is in flight training. She just won Miss Oregon, and she is really shooting for the moon. She hopes to win Miss USA. You'll hear from her later. A uh, beautiful day out on the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club here in Aloha. But, you know, before the fun starts and as we carry on the fun here at the uh, the golf tournament, I did want to talk about the tragedy in Eugene that I think is going to be ringing uh, around not only Eugene, not only Oregon, but really the entire college sports, college football landscape. And that is the tragic passing of Spencer Webb, uh, a tight end, um, you know, a couple of year veteran for a couple of year veteran for Oregon football. He was out at Triangle Lake yesterday and uh, slipped and fell and hit his head. And unfortunately, paramedics were not able to rescue Spencer Webb. He passed away at the age of 22. Just a real tragedy um, in the, the University of Oregon community. But, um, you know, it's been it's been good to see Oregon State, Utah, other rival teams really huddled together, similar to how we've seen Utah. You know, Utah football dealt with a couple tragedies last year as well. Um, and so there's no doubt that the loss of Spencer Webb is going to be uh, a shadow over this Oregon football season. And, uh, you know, he's just such a – such a – so much more than football, uh, Spencer Webb. You know, I always saw him with around the Eugene community, around the University of Oregon campus. Uh, I went to – the University of Oregon, and I would always see him out in nightlife just with other students, you know. Um, I think just a, a shining example of who he was was after Oregon beat Washington, and, you know, students are crowd surfing him around, and, you know, he's just, he was just like a normal kid, and he was so grateful to be in uh, in college with everything that he dealt with in his childhood, and John wrote about that today on johnconzano.com, but Steven, just a, a real tragedy in Eugene, and um, man, it's just my, my heart sank when I saw that saw that headline. Yeah, I mean, you never want to see anything like that, and, and you touched on this a little bit, you know, you read just his backstory, it's such an amazing backstory, you know, growing up without his parents and just had, to, you know, brothers, sisters, aunts around and uncles around, and, you know, it's those type of kids that, uh, you know, when they succeed, it's awesome because there's just such genuine uh, love in their heart, and, like, you can see pictures, like you said, of the crowd surfing and um, you know, nobody had a bad thing to say about it. So it's just, it's just a terrible day. Like I didn't know the guy, you know, I had seen him on the field and that's about it. But you know, everyone seems to seem like, uh, he was a great person. It's going to be not only a loss on the field, but a way bigger loss off the field because he was just such a, you know, so full of love and everyone loved the guy. Right. Some people go to Oregon or go to any other school, and if they're football players, it's really it's really just football. You know, they walk in on football. But just to see the amount of uh, personal anecdotes from people like Mark Wasikowski, who we're looking to talk to today. We haven't seen him come by, but maybe a little bit later in the show. But he was talking about um, – he just shared kind of an anecdote about how Spencer Webb wanted to compete for the baseball team too, saying he would have been the best pitcher. Um, I saw another one of the Oregon baseball players shared it. Uh, I think it was a video of Spencer Webb hitting a home run in BK Park. 
and you saw, um, you know, just Dan Lanning and um, the equipment manager, Kenny Farr, you know, shared his support about it and said, yeah, Spencer Webb was always in my office every morning talking about anything but football. And he was really just a football meant a lot to him. But I think, you know, being a college student at his dream school with everything that he, um, you know, some of the obstacles that he overcame in his childhood, I think that meant just as much to him. And he will truly be missed in the Eugene community. Uh, just a real tragedy. But with that being said, we wanted to transition that into a conversation that we had about this topic, as well as uh, just previewing the Oregon football season and catching up with Oregon radio analyst, Oregon football radio analyst, and former Oregon quarterback Mike Jorgensen. Let's go ahead and hear back from that interview from earlier. We are joined by former Ducks quarterback and current radio analyst Mike Jorgensen, also goes by Jorgie. He is out here at the Bald Face Truth Radio Foundation Golf Tournament, and he is on Team Growler Guys today. Actually, excuse no, me, you bricks. were on uh, Team Bricks. Bricks, Team bricks. Yeah. I, was, I was looking at Coach Waz. Yeah. Uh, Jorgie, what, what brings you out here? Oh, it's just great to be part of, a um, obviously, a, a nonprofit charity to help out kids to be able to contribute, you know, in any way possible. Participation, really, it's an honor for me to be invited. When I see what some of the invite us get, invited guest list looks like, and was just actually out on the driving range talking to an old teammate, Mike Walter, right there, and yeah, great 49ers linebacker and the whole thing. You know, just being around those type of people, but again, for John and Anna and, and Bald, Bald Faith, bald Face Truth Foundation to be able to participate, give back like they give back to this community and try to do it in Eugene whenever I can too. It's just, again, a real honor to be invited to be part of this event. I've been asking every guest this question, but, um, you know, obviously it's so important that these kids, they kids that maybe yeah, can't absolutely. afford it, yeah. they get involved in sports, extracurriculars, whatever the case may be. And I'm assuming as a former football player, former athlete, that meant the world to you growing up, being able to get out and participate in camps, participate in sports. So what about that kind of your football background leads you to really thinking it's important that kids kids get out here? Yeah, you know, growing up obviously in a small town over on the east side of the state, Ontario, I was real fortunate to be able to you know, participate in those type of things, you know, sporting events, school events, camps, whatever it might be. Uh, and again, just that the, the camaraderie that you build with kids, you don't realize it at the time. You know, when you're young, you just go out and do what you do and you have a blast doing it. And it takes quite a few years of maturity to look back and go, you know, look at what that meant to me. Look at how fortunate I was to, you know, be part of a camp, be part of uh, some sort of activity, and again, helped by this foundation and it, those type of things. We didn't have those type of foundations over on the east side of the state. You just did it as part of a recreation department or an art department or whatever else it might be. But those times together meant everything in the foundation that you kind of grow to learn, what you carry on later in life, what you pass on to your kids, what you share with other kids that don't even know who the heck you are for, as an example. That's what that becomes. And so it's huge. It's huge for kids to be able to enjoy it, whether it's you know music, whether whether it's sports, whether it's shoes, whether anything you think about that, that, that some of these foundations help out with, in particular John's, uh, it's just great. 
and the golfing aspect of it. Are you uh, are you a player? Are you going to be? <laughs> I'm going to be asking people. You know what? Who who's going to win this thing? Who's going to win this thing? Like, are you one of the contenders that is going to be able to do that? Well, I I think with the the Bricks group, yeah. From what I hear, what those guys are, I'm going to be riding their back all the way around the course, and you know, and that's part of the deal. But I try to contribute here and there. Getting older, don't hit it as far as some of the young guys do nowadays. But it's still fun to get out here. I don't play as much as I used to. But I always look forward to getting out here and playing because when I did live up here, we played out here. I had a chance to be able to play both sides, of, you know, all 36 holes out here from time to time. And so it's nice to continue to play out here. Man, what all the changes. I mean, this I don't remember this screen being over there to protect those houses from people like me, obviously. But, you know, just the houses that get built up around here and the growth and everything that takes place, it's just amazing from year to year how much change takes place. I want to talk to you about Oregon football, but before we dive in, I mean, the season's yeah. coming right up. There's a lot of excitement, but obviously just, just yesterday we learned about the tragedy um, that yeah. happened with one of, you know, uh, Oregon football's yeah. players, uh, you know, Spencer, Spencer Webb and yeah. uh, what happened to him. And just wondering if you can kind of talk about the legacy that he leaves behind and just the guy who he was. Well, it was just great to be able to see him start as a freshman at the University of Oregon, not just football, but obviously as a student athlete there, and, and be able to see the growth of that young man through his three and heading into four years and that type of deal at the University of Oregon, the growth and the maturity that took place. And, and uh, again, I think sometimes, as I mentioned previously, you know, as you grow up, you don't realize all the different things that you go through and all the experiences you have. And then you, you get out about your junior or senior year at Oregon football or as a student athlete or as a student and you begin to realize um, the role model that you become even when you don't know it people are always watching you and that was a young man that people were watching all the time not only because of how he played on the field but how how he was and the example he was off the field to other student athletes and other sports to kids in the community you know I'm sure you look at Twitter and other places you, you see pictures of him you see pictures of him after the Washington game celebrating with the fans and being held up you see him taking pictures with kids on the field and what that means to those young kids and that just proves the character that really goes with Spencer Webb and it was just it was horrible news to hear yesterday I mean everywhere I think all football fans period whether you're a Duck fan whether you're a Beaver fan you never want to see that type of report come out and obviously in a tight-knit community like Eugene Springfield Lane County is uh, just horrible news and very unfortunate and uh, condolences to the Webb family and, and everybody that's associated with that family and the Oregon football program. That's going to be tough to get past, being so close to the season and that group being so close-knit. But fine young man uh, was on his way to a tremendous life and just a terrible tragedy. Do you have a favorite Spencer Webb memory? Uh, well, Auburn game, his very right. first game as Iconic an Oregon catch. Duck. Yeah, yeah, just a great catch and facing the, in the Auburn player and just you know basically planted him into the ground while he made the catch. And I can remember sitting with a good friend of mine at Autzen Stadium when uh, I think it was Willie Taggart actually had just come in as coach and they had Saturday night some sort of, I can't remember what they call it, Saturday Night Live. For recruiting. Or, yeah, for recruiting. They had players in and that tape of deal. That was one player that my friend and I looked at and went, 
Oh, my God. He, he stuck out like a sore thumb, not only from a speed and a size standpoint, but the hands, the patterns he ran, everything else he did, you knew that was a guy you had to have. And obviously he dreamed to play there at Austin Stadium for the Ducks at the same time, so they were able to put that marriage together. But that play, uh, the Justin Herbert pass, obviously, uh, to Spencer Webb in the end zone for the first touchdown in that game will be something I never forget, never forget. I think it it's going to go down as, you know, especially given yeah. kind of the circumstance one of the iconic plays in Oregon football, yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Leading into the season, you know, uh, lots of excitement, like I said. We're a little under two months now until until the season. And, of course, Georgia is one of those first games, BYU, <laughs> and then a couple weeks later. Um, what excites you about this season, and how's the team looking? Well, I tell you, you know, the, the, the new freshness to it uh, is what really excites me. Dan Lanning and his staff. Uh, really have some energy going there. I think he's put together a tremendous staff on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Uh, youth at the coaching position. Of course, when you get older like I do, you start looking, geez, those kids are half my age. What's going on here type of situation? But he's put together a great staff at all positions, I think, that are not only uh, really good coaches, they hold the players accountable, but they're really good recruiters too. And that's obviously the key to being able to pull in players and in this day and age and with everything going on in college football and realignment and NIL and the transfer portal. And it's just, it's it's a mess. And I, again, I... John Canzano obviously having to report about this all the time and write. He's got plenty to write about. In fact, almost too much. But I like this team in a lot of ways. I, I like the explosiveness that and the maturity that the wide receiver group is becoming. I really liked the tight end uh, group as well. I thought it was a great group of four, obviously, before before the tragedy with, with Spencer Webb. But the tight end group, I think, is very deep, very talented. Uh, it's going to be a great battle at the quarterback position. We'll see how that plays out before they go uh, back and play, play Georgia in the opening game and defensively I just I really think they're good on defense and and the transfers that they've added to that side of the ball in particular with Taimani from Washington and Gonzalez from Colorado uh, they upgraded that defense in a hurry and if the linebackers and people like that can stay healthy you know Sewell and Flo and the rest of them I think they've got a really great shot at having uh, making an impact this year the, the, the schedule is going to be tough particularly with going to Georgia, having BYU, who owns the Pac-12 right now, or Pac-10 now is what it's become, Pac-12 with 10 teams, whatever it is. But, you know, they BYU has had great success against this league, and Oregon's got to somehow end that in Game 3 before they go on the road up to Washington State, which is always a tough place to play. So uh, they better be ready to strap it on right away. There's no warm-up games being able to go into those first four. That's for dang sure. So I look forward to a great defense, an exciting offense, uh, the competition that goes on with it, and I just think this team is on its way to something special in about two to three years, and it might happen this year. There you have it. Mike Jorgensen, he'll be on the call for Oregon football games this year. Jerry Allen as well, Joey Mack, the whole crew back for another season. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, best of luck out there. You bet. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right, Sean, so you got a, talk to t- uh, a chance to talk with Jorgie, and let's, uh, get, let's get your thoughts. How are the How is the team going to do this year? Yeah, I think they have a good team. They have a good young team, I think, a lot of talent on the roster, but it's a lot of talent we haven't really seen yet. And some players that, quite frankly, might need a little bit of game experience. Um, I think of a lot of the skill guys. You know, your Seven McGee's, your Byron Cardwell's, Sean Dollars. Those are the running backs. And then Troy Franklin and uh, Dante Thornton. They just like I just think of a lot of young players. It helps to have Bo Nix at the quarterback position who's experienced, and I think that's going to help them. I mean, 
man, the host of this show, Canzano, he's really high on Oregon. He thinks they can hang with Georgia. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready to go there, even though Georgia's very young as well. But I think this is a team that once they kind of find their footing a little bit, they have so much talent, and they're just going to continue to get better and better as the season goes on. And I think I mentioned the running backs and the receivers. I think Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham, those those guys have stuff to figure out as well. I mean, they're just uh, – they're babies as well when it comes to the coaching ranks. Head coach, brand new head coach. You know, Kenny Dillingham is new to the West Coast relatively, and just a lot of young coaches. Uh, but I think all of the right pieces are in place. It just might take a little bit of time to figure it out, especially considering BYU and Georgia are two of your first three weeks. And then the other week, it's Eastern Washington, who <laughs> is kind of a powerhouse when it comes to the FCS level. So. Uh, it's gonna be tough, but I think again they're gonna they're gonna end up pretty good. It might not be pretty at first, in my opinion. And not to make it seem like it's as important as anything else, but the loss of Spencer Webb obviously is a tragedy. How does that affect the football team itself? Uh, Spencer Webb, he was gonna be the starting tight end in, in my estimation. I mean, I he I think in most people's estimations, the you heard Jorgie talk about it. They have a good tight end room and losing Webb, who was kind of the leader of that room, certainly helps, but they still have some other guys to help fill that position. Uh, but he'll surely be missed. I mean, you talk about a guy who's gotten better every single season, who, again, you know, from the day he stepped on campus, con- contributed right away. I mean, people talk about that Auburn catch, uh, yeah. at you know, in Arlington, but that was his first career game. So you talk about an instant impact guy. You talk about a guy who uh, has just been getting better every season. He was due for a very big season. So it's going to be a loss for sure. But I think the Ducks are pretty well suited at that position. So Oregon football really looking forward to their season kicking off. Oregon State as well. We're so close to football season. We are uh, about seven weeks away when you really think about it. July 14th today. And about a month and a half, we're going to be full swing college football. And then, you know, maybe a week or two after that NFL, I couldn't be more excited. With that being said, we got to jump to a break. More interviews coming next, next, including Miss Oregon, right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. We got our hands on a leaderboard here at the Bald Face Truth Radio Foundation Golf Tournament out here in Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, a beautiful setting for the eighth annual tournament. And we did find a screen that flashed the standing. So far, you just heard from Mike Jorgensen. Well, he is leading the way for the lead so far. He talked about, oh, I'm so busy and... I don't really have time. I'm, you know, I'm aging. Can't really golf anymore. Well, his team has to lead minus 11. Uh, Mark Radford, former, former NBA player, former Beaver. His team is in second place. Wesley Ogle, who we talk, we're going to talk to, or you're going to hear that interview a little bit later. We talked to her earlier. She is a K2 uh, reporter and anchor. Her team is in third place, minus nine. If you're wondering how Team Canzano is doing, John Canzano, his brother Ben Canzano, Anna Canzano, Angel Canzano, all of them are on one team. They're currently tied for 11th. Uh, minus five is their score. And, again, you're probably thinking, minus five, that's 11th place. Well, they're doing a best ball format, so they all hit. 
and then they choose the best ball, and then they all hit again, and they just go with whoever does best. So um, kind of kind of interesting what's going on at the standings right now to see, uh, you know, just all these people that we interviewed said, oh, I'm so, I'm so bad at golf, and you see their team's doing really well. Does that mean Canzano's best ball has not always been the best ball? I actually watched one team here. Okay, it's a best ball tournament. One team, we're, we're at the 18th green, and there's water coming up the right side. Their best ball was right next to the water. I was like, guys, come on, this is the best ball. Get away from the water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, sometimes your best ball does end up being in the water because the rest of them are in the water, That's or right. the rest of them are where we are right now. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been fun to watch. I walked around a little bit, saw Adam Bjornsson, and, man, I, I went through all the descriptions of every player, and there was some kind of punchline with every player. Like, for Mark Wazikowski, it's like he can, he can hit it and walk rather than hitting and running. Um, or, like, you know, Nicole Rigoni, who's a journalist, asked really good questions. But for Adam Bjornsson, it said he's actually really good at golf. Like, this, this guy can actually play. Well, <laughs> I look at the leaderboard, and, you know, the team's in last. Uh, tied for 18th what? is Adam Bjornsson. Wow. So we'll keep you posted on the leaderboard as time goes on. But I do want to uh, play an interview earlier with Miss Oregon, uh, Ariel Freitag. She is a very, very impressive um, pageant participant and uh that's a very impressive uh you know she's been doing it for six years and she finally broke through and won miss oregon um this past year and she she just she shared plenty of wisdom with us uh so let's go ahead and play that interview with miss oregon we are joined by ariel freitag 2022 miss oregon usa she's out here at the bald face truth foundation golf tournament drafted by team nsi Ariel, thanks for taking the time, and it's uh, it's great to meet you, nice Miss Oregon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's a beautiful day. I'm ready to play some golf, have some fun. What brings you out here? I'm just really excited to support this organization. I'm from Harrisburg, Oregon, about an hour and 45 minutes away from here, and it was a nice drive here. I get to help people out and play some golf, and I'm just really excited to be here and be invited. What What do you say is the number one reason you know, is for participating in the, the charity part of this and, you know, giving back to the kids. What what about that um, excites you? Volunteerism is my platform, actually, and I always tell people your time is the most valuable currency. And so any way that I can be an example and spend my time doing something that helps other people, I hope that somebody can say, you know, I'm really inspired by that. It's really easy to donate your time. I want to do that, too. So anytime I can help somebody, I'm there. I'm your girl. I can tell that you are uh, really good at answering questions. I feel like you've been asked that question before during one of your uh, during one of the pageants. Oh, yes. Lots of different questions. But I definitely talk about volunteerism the most because it's one of the most important things to me. I started volunteering when I was just two. My mom got me involved, and I had my first major by myself fundraiser when I was just seven. I ended up raising a lot of money for September 11th and got to go to New York, donate everything that I raised, stuffed animals, dog bones for the rescue dogs, gloves for the workers. And ever since then, it's just kind of snowballed where I'm always wanting to be involved in doing something and inspiring people to help. I'm actually working on putting up a free little pantry, one of those standalone free pantries in my hometown so that I can continue to help people and fill a need. How does that volunteer work transform into pageants? People would be really surprised. I feel like there's kind of a stereotype and a lot of people don't know the volunteerism that title holders do. It's a really platform based 
and as a title holder you are this this figure and this public figure that people are looking at you they're seeing what you're doing on social media and a lot of the title holders really take advantage of that to get involved and do stuff with a purpose as Miss Oregon USA as you know Miss whatever state USA and uh, I really admire that in pageantry it really gets people involved and also opens up larger opportunities. I've never actually got to golf here at this tournament. And because of Miss Oregon USA, I'm here. And now I get to make this connection and hopefully come back and support from many years from now. Can, can we continue to break the stereotype for a minute? Oh, yeah. We understand that you have a world record. Is that <laughs> right? Yes. Tell us what that is. So on my 21st birthday, I decided I wanted to do something unique. And, you know, everybody goes to Vegas, but not everybody goes to Vegas and breaks a world record. So I decided that I wanted to break the world record for the most casinos gambled at in 24 hours. And it was, I think I did it 20 hours straight. I took a four-hour nap because it was just a long day. But I made about 78 casino stops okay and so that was just the process of going to each casino putting in a dollar spinning it 77 77 is the exact okay. number they credited you but isn't the real question is how much money did you walk out with i think i how much was i ahead <laughs> oh, I, okay you were ahead i was ahead not by much then that's i was okay. ahead but i never cashed them in because i was so tired <laughs> i had to move on to the next casino move on right. move on so i was like i'm gonna come back and cash them in i never did so many questions <laughs> on this topic what up so you would just rush into a casino qu play a quick game on to the next yes. what was it slots was it poker what was it it was just video poker the slot machines that's and funny. i had my my trusty mother with me and so a lot of hotels we've just parked in the front we're like we're just checking in and you run in play it come back out we're like oh gotta go bye <laughs> <laughs> so you'd go in and it sounds like you did you had success on the uh you know the online poker and then you would would your mom drive you to the next casino yes and we had a detailed plan too she had it all mapped out and she's this is the next one we're gonna go to we're gonna get this done by this time she's very detail orientated and i admire that and i very much appreciate how much of a huge support she was for this because it was just something so crazy and can you imagine somebody saying mom this is what i want to do and she's like <laughs> okay sure the sky's the limit let's do it I mean, I just got back from Vegas myself, and it was one or two casinos, and that was about all I could handle. <laughs> right. I went I went to Vegas for my 21st birthday and did nothing like that at all, <laughs> at all. I went to Beatles Love and, you know, gambled a little bit, but definitely, uh, you know, you see where you get your ambition from, to become Miss Oregon USA. <laughs> so by the end of it, was Guinness there to give you one of those big plaques? No, I wish. So I found out all of the stuff you have to submit you have and I geotagged everything I did everything but it was such a long process that although I had all the information I never actually submitted it so it's not verified by Guinness but I'm telling you we just discussed this actually we're thinking about paying for the Guinness person to come out and then just redoing it for my 29th birthday. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's when's your 29th birthday is that coming up? It's June 19th next year. So, so you I, might try it again. Yes. Wow. And that then I'll be... just have the person out there verifying it right then and there, and then I don't have to do all the paperwork. And then eight years later, you're probably <laughs> a little bit quicker. You're probably a little bit more experienced. You can break 77 easy. Um, can you just, you know, you won 2022 Miss Oregon USA. Can you just kind of walk us through what got you into um, this profession, you know, or hobby, whatever, uh, whatever you kind of identify it as, and 
just kind of your journey of highs and lows and what led you to eventually winning this this awesome honor of yours my first pageant I came to my mom I really wanted to do it and at that time you kind of have the stereotype of glitzy little kids doing pageants and that wasn't necessarily you know our thing but I said mom this pageant in particular part of my score the percentage of the score is based on community service and that's something I'm really huge about so she told me go for it you know she supported me and ever since then I just got really into it and in seeing how I can make a difference with my platform and I started competing for Miss Oregon USA when I was I believe I was 20 I've done it six times before I finally wow won. and on my last try before aging out I finally won and so it was it was really special and you kind of always imagine you know if I get the opportunity to win I'm gonna you know look so cute and smile but I was so just absolutely ecstatic that I ugly cried on stage <laughs> I'm sure it was not cute but uh, yeah it just it meant the world to me and it was such a long journey and I never gave up and I'm so glad that I didn't because here I am today and I always encourage anybody I talk to never give up no matter how small the dream is if you give up how are you gonna ever know if you could have achieved it absolutely so after that Phyllison did you go to Miss America did you compete on national level after you won Miss Oregon so I compete at Miss USA. Miss USA. And I'm not sure when it's going to be or where it's going to be. Oh, at. so it hasn't happened yet. It has not happened yet. So I'm thinking it's sometime soonish. So we're probably going to find out hopefully maybe this week they're going to announce something. And it's the goal to win that? Oh, the goal is to win that for sure. Oregon has never had a Miss USA. Really? Yes. We've had three Oregon teams win Miss Teen USA, but not one Miss contestant has one Miss USA from Oregon yet. So you have a chance to do something pretty special. I do. Kind of the pressure's on. Yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Another question I have for you, you're, you're enrolled in flight training. So I, earlier I talked about, you know, what you kind of consider pageantry as your hobby, as your profession. It sounds like you're kind of building another profession as you do all of this. Yes, I'm really excited. I actually, not a lot of people know this yet, I'm flying myself to Miss USA. Wow. Yes. Just don't know when. I just don't know when. <laughs> and where, where right? is that? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I know ambitious to come up with a plan way before anything's even announced. <laughs> yeah, so what if it's in, you know, San Francisco and it's it's a drive, you're you're gonna fly there no matter what. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm determined. But it's been a crazy journey and it's something really exciting that I'm excited to pursue. My first flight, my mom actually gotta come with me and she's pretty brave for a uh, daughter flying for the first time. Yeah, and she lived. Lived to tell the tale. <laughs> so I must be doing something okay. But it's it's pretty special, and I think it's even more special that my hair and makeup artist that did my hair and makeup for Miss Oregon USA, she's also a flight instructor. Oh. And so having that representation of a strong female that is a pilot, but also, you know, in pageantry, and we're also flying together. She's going to fly with me to Miss USA, so I'm very excited about that. Very shout cool. Out, shout out to Amanda Cave. <laughs> So what's your five to ten year plan? Are you going to keep after Miss USA? Are you going to pursue flying? And are you going to continue to pursue, um, you know, pageantry? Like what, what, how are you going to strike that balance? Like what's your ultimate goal here? All of the above. And I, I want to start my own little local pageant. That's a goal that recently I decided to set. I am going to continue flying, getting my pilot's license. My mom, she 
is kind of giving me information about becoming a commercial pilot, so that's out in the air, thinking about that. Uh, also, I'm kind of getting old. I just turned 28, uh, oh, June 19th, and uh, <laughs> oh, now I'm like, hmm, I do want kids, so who knows? I have a lot to juggle, but I take it one day at a time, because I have so many different ambitions. I decide to try something new all the time, so I can't even tell you what I'm doing in 10 years. Maybe president. I don't there know. There you go. <laughs> I, like that. I have friends that are in flight training, so I can attest how much of a commitment that is, how many hours you have to be in the air. I don't know how you find the time. Uh, I think I'm going great early. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. It was fascinating to learn about how you became Miss Oregon and, you know, Guinness World Records, flight training. You are aware of many hats, so it was great meeting you. You. It's nice meeting you too, and thank you for having me today. I'm I'm very thankful to be here. Golfing today? Are you gonna? How are you gonna do out there? Oh, I'm I got my Hello Kitty golf clubs. I'm gonna crush it. I haven't golfed in a while, <laughs> but I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to crush it and uh, show some people up. Well, I'm, ta I'm talking big. I'm probably gonna embarrass myself now. <laughs> <laughs> well, go get them, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. There you have it, Miss Oregon. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Back with you on a special edition of the bald-faced truth out here in Aloha at the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club. Every day we play the Big Splash, and even though today's a little bit different, today is no different with the Big Splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Well, DeAndre Eaton finally has agreed to an offer sheet with an NBA team, and it's the biggest offer sheet in NBA history. The Indiana Pacers have offered DeAndre Ayton four years, $133 million. Now, the Suns never made an offer, but the reports are the Suns appear ready to match that offer. They have 48 hours to match that offer beginning tonight at midnight. Again, it's the largest offer sheet in NBA history. Suns never showed interest in negotiating a sign-and-trade, but they still do have time because the offer starts tonight at midnight, so they'll have... Two full days to offer that, or else DeAndre Ayton will be an Indiana Pacer. And so if the Suns retain DeAndre Ayton, their star center, they will have uh, as soon they could trade him as soon as January 15th, once the sheet is matched. But DeAndre Ayton will have a full year to veto a trade for a year. So it's, uh, it's very complicated, but DeAndre Ayton, it looks like he's either going to be a Indiana Pacer or a Phoenix Sun, and it looks like he is not going to be a Brooklyn Net treated for Kevin Durant. So keep an eye on that over the last over the next 48 hours with DeAndre Ayton. Out here at the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, we'll hear from more guests next hour. Keep it here on the Bald Face Truth. BFFT. Now. Presented by High Caliber Millwrights, live from the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, site of the Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. This is the Bald, bald Face Faced Truth. Truth. 
81 degrees right now at the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club in Aloha, Oregon, the site of the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. My name is Sean McPherson, guest hosting for John Canzano. Yeah, we haven't seen him in a while, but he's somewhere out there. We're waiting but for him. We're waiting for him. We do have a hole right in front of us, and not long ago, Jim, we saw Mike Jorgensen sink an eagle. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, that put them uh, in the lead. Last I checked, they were tied at the top at 12 under. 12 under, and they're tied. So they someone, tied. someone's been mad. Uh, Wesley Ogle's team was tied with them. Wow. Yeah. Wesley Ogle, maybe the least confident golfer that I spoke <laughs> to this morning. She is tied for the lead. Her team is, so maybe she has a really good team around her. <laughs> Let's talk a little Portland State hoops. Got the chance to catch up with both coaches, the men's and the women's coaches. Chelsea Gregg on the women's side, and then your men's basketball coach, uh, Jace Coburn. And uh, both just teams, just both coaches, let me start with this. Both coaches just finished their first year at the helm of Portland State. Again, Jace Coburn on the men's side. Uh, and Chelsea Gregg on the women's side. A little bit different story on the women's side. They ended up 5-24. and 24. They're rebuilding the program right now. Uh, they actually weren't able to win a game in conference, and uh, they did go 4-11 and 11 at home, but their season uh, did not end on a hot streak. All of their wins actually came at the beginning of the year. Meanwhile, on the men's side, um, they Coburn kind of took over a, uh, a program that was doing pretty well at the time, and, you know, he, he was handed... Um, a little bit of a better situation than Chelsea Gregg, and they actually were able to make it to the Big Sky Conference Championship, ended up losing it to Northern Colorado. Their season ended up 14-17 and 17 overall. They were 10-10 and 10 in conference, and both programs are expecting big improvement this upcoming season, as both coaches talked about in this interview. So let's go ahead and punch that interview. Here's Chelsea Gregg and Jace Coburn. We are joined by Portland State men's and women's basketball coaches, Jace Coburn on the men's side, Chelsea Gregg on the women's side out here at the Bald Face Truth Foundation Golf Tournament. How's it going? How you guys going, doing? Going great. Excited to be here. Excited to get out there and swing it. Chelsea, doing well? Yeah, doing well. Thank you. Excited what, to be here. What What brings you guys out here? What uh, What ex What about this event excites you? Yeah, I think it's just an opportunity to be able to support just a great cause. Uh, when the Gonzalez ask, you, you say yes especially with a foundation like this and, and what they're doing. Yeah, same, same, same thing she just said. You know, uh, we're definitely excited to be out here and, and uh, for a good cause. You guys are uh, obviously sports coaches, very into athletics and, uh, you know, organized sports, obviously, with your guys' profession. So what about kind of what this event's trying to do and get kids involved, maybe kids that can't afford it, to be able to be involved in something like organized athletic athletics? What about that kind of – makes you want to come out here and support it yeah i think anytime you can help uh support kids you know um that have a chance to get into organized activities like you know when i grew up i was fortunate enough to have those opportunities to be a part of a team and and understand those things and um you know and and some kids get an opportunity to start learning leadership really early so um it's, it's a great way for uh kids to stay involved yeah i think that uh as we know just like what sport can teach and those opportunities to give and, and grow in that leadership area, um, different experiences. So that's great. I think on the female side, not always little girls are interested in sport. And so I think more the opportunity and just experience and exposure um, is great for them. So if I did my homework correctly, both of you guys just finished your first year on the job. Head coach, head coach, right? Correct. I'm curious how often you guys kind of help each other. How often do you two work together? And, you know, maybe like both of you guys are rather new to the job. 
How often do you guys kind of cross paths during the seasons? I mean, I'd say we talk almost every day. You know, uh, we share a wall. Our That's right, we share a wall. On the other side of each other. So we, you know, um, we talk about different things all the time. Um, you know, whether it's basketball things or coaching things or, you know, family parent, things, parent, parenting, family things. I mean, you know, uh, so we talk all the time. It's great. Yeah, it's nice to be just aligned, you know what I mean, with not always the case at universities that the women's and men's programs even speak to each other, let alone, you know, have the ability to bounce off ideas off of each other. So I appreciate that. You guys probably have similar goals for kind of building the programs back up. And obviously, both you guys just finished your first years. You guys kind of talk about and kind of share the same goals, would you say? Absolutely. I think that I, I, I'll speak for myself and, they, and then coach can say something cool. else. And yeah, I think for us, we were definitely in a different kind of rebuild than on their side. They had a lot of success. Coach did a great job with them this year. Um, I'm excited for, for what we have and the core returning. Um, but our team makeup is a little bit different. We're super young. Um, and so I just think that to speak to that, it's, it's a little bit different. But absolutely, you know, representing Portland State well, repping the city, getting great athletes, uh, great students, great people. That's what we want to do. I think like Coach just said, I think we both definitely align that we want to represent Portland State in the right way with the right people and, um, you know, and with that comes success. And so, you know, I, I would say we both definitely have goals of, of uh, you know, representing Portland State in the right way and, and uh, getting out there and competing and trying our hardest and getting after it. Absolutely. What, um, you know, talk to me about Viking Pavilion. 2018, I, I read that it got renovated, and it looks like, I haven't been there lately, but it looks like it's just a beautiful complex. What uh, What's that like in there? Well, you should come on down and check yeah. it out, yeah. you know. Um, you know, I, this is my 10th season at Portland State, and, or coming up 10th season, and so, um, you know, I coached in the old in the old place, and it's just like a completely different world. It's a great place to watch a game. Um, you know, everything's kept up really well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an awesome venue, and it's right on the park blocks, and um, there, there's definitely a, a great way to watch a game there. Yeah, great atmosphere. Super thankful to, to have that. I think it's one of the best in Big Sky, truly, um, and just what we can offer our student-athletes. What What's the level of uh, competition coming up with the Big Sky? Like, uh, you know, obviously – I see that, uh, Jace, you guys just finished a 14 and 17 year. Obviously, you're trying to improve, but who are some of the biggest competitors and what's what's kind of the state of both both your guys' programs, kind of the state of the, the conference? Uh, for us, you know, obviously Montana State won the championship last year, made it to the NCAA tournament, and they're returning, um, you know, the player of the year and, uh, you know, got some good returners and good guys coming in. So, you know, we know they'll be really good. And, you know, I mean, obviously our league um, is anybody can win it. Um, you know, Montana's going to be really good. Weaver State and Eastern Water. I mean, Northern Colorado. I mean, you can go on and on and on about, you know, how good the league is going to be. And, and with the transfer portal, that, that part's kind of tough is that, you know, everybody's bringing in new people. So you don't really know exactly how all the rosters are going to shake out. But at the same time, you know that every single team is going to be well coached. So, um, you know, we're fully expecting to, you know, have to bring it every single night no matter who it's against. What about you, Chelsea? What's yeah. the level of competition like in the big sky? Where do uh, you I mean, it's unreal. I think that people that aren't in the big sky may not understand that level of play. I mean, you talk about power fives and this, that, but big sky basketball is where it's at. Um, competitive every night. I think for us, just focusing on ourselves, continuing to see that progress and and that development within us with our schedule and, and what it was last year, I just didn't feel like we had the opportunity to work on us. Every other night was a game. 
Um, and so we're just really focusing on that in the development of our young kids um, and bringing in, in some experience as well. Is right now kind of a, a little bit of a down period for you guys, or is it constantly a grind? Like, I'm sure you guys are doing a lot of recruiting, but is the summer a, t a chance to catch your breath at least I, a little bit? I would say definitely not. You know, no. uh, you know, we have both of our teams in right now uh, with summer school and summer school workouts and practice and those type of things. And then you mix it in with um, – recruiting and I, my voice actually sounds a lot better today than it has last week i couldn't well, i was trying to talk and th you know words weren't even coming out of my mouth last week but so no i you know and especially for us with a bunch of new guys we got to get everybody on the same page so it's it's been really really busy yeah same i think what our players have been on campus since june 20th and so we're just finishing up week four of having them here um, and then in between that, we're on the road recruiting and and bringing in those next kids that we we would love to see in our program and so not yet that might be a, a time for a breath maybe in late August, and then we, we round back out. But it's exciting time. It's, you know, it's what we want to be. We want to be competing and continue to get better. So that's that's the focus. But the summer, is it's a time for us to get together and, and like Coach said, get everybody on the same page. But it's definitely not, not vacation, that's for sure. I have a question specifically for you, Jace. I read somewhere, I was doing some homework on both of you, and uh, I read that you, you don't eat breakfast. Because you want to come to work hungry. Is that, can you confirm that? And uh, if so, yeah, no, uh, why is that? I, I don't eat breakfast. Um, you know, for, for me, <laughs> you know, I get asked that a lot now. Um, you know, and for me, it's just like a mentality thing. And, you know, coming up through the coaching ranks as an assistant coach, you like, to be honest, you don't, you don't make a lot of money. And so you got to figure out how to budget your money the way that you uh, best can. And so there was a meal I was going to sacrifice. It was definitely going to be breakfast, you know. And I just kind of tried to flip that in my mind and to be a positive instead of just complaining about things and um, stuff like that. I just I flipped it into try and be a positive. Like, all right, cool. Like, I, I'm not going to eat breakfast. I, you know, whatever. Like, I'll go to work hungry, and that's just going to be my mentality. And, you know, even now as a head coach, I still don't because that's just my mentality of who I am as a person. And, uh yeah, so, no, I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> Do you share that sentiment, Chelsea? Or? I think that's a great mentality to have, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I have some coffee. I have some coffee. Yeah, players know I have some coffee, and then and then from there we'll see. <laughs> well, but, you, must, uh, you, must, you must be hungry right now. There's food right behind you. and uh, i got to play good in golf today, so I might skip lunch today, too. I don't know. <laughs> Stay hungry. Yeah, last Stay question. Hungry, what, what's the golf goal? What's your guys' experiences in this sport of golf, and what do you guys expect to uh, put out there? And I'm just trying to try to hit it straight. Uh, I enjoy playing. Um, I just, you know, I love to compete, and, and obviously for a good cause. My stepdad got me into golf a couple years back, but it's not good. But I'm an athlete, so we'll, we'll, we'll try it. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I grew up in Phoenix, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of golf courses out there, but the only time as a kid that you can really practice is during the summer, right? So I, I definitely didn't go out. I went out, you know, did a golf camp when I was a little kid, and, like, I wasn't trying to go out there in 118, 120 at practice golf, so we'll see how it goes today. I mean, I'm, I am I know it's like the thing for every like good golfer to say, like, oh, I'm not any good, but I'm truly not any good. So, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm probably going to lose a lot of balls, and, uh, yeah, so we'll see. Well, thank you guys for taking the time. It was awesome meeting you. Best of luck out there on the golf course today, and then best of luck getting ready for your upcoming seasons. Right, Appreciate thank you. it. All thank right. you. Love those interviews, or that interview with uh, those two people, the Portland State head basketball coaches, Jace Coburn and Chelsea Gregg. Man, coaching such a grind. You know, uh, Jace Coburn talked about how he, you know, he he didn't make a ton of money coming up in the ranks as a coach, and 
had to sacrifice breakfast. And now that he's made it as a head coach, you know, he's quote-unquote made it, he still doesn't make eat breakfast. He kind of remembers his roots a little bit. I thought that was really interesting, and I thought the fact that, um, you know, I asked them, okay, it's July, basketball season's in the winter. Are you guys catching your breath at least a little bit? And they're like, no. So it, I think my overall takeaway from that interview is just how, how much of a grind coaching is. Yeah, I bet they never sleep. I mean, it's it's always basketball season for those coaches at that level. And, you know, you brought up the, the grind of, of growing up the way he did and, and not having, um, you know, the ability to eat breakfast, you know, as growing up in coaching or moving up the ranks in coaching. I bet that leads also to the fact that he's able to, Tell that to his students, to his players, his student athletes, and say, listen, this is what you have to go through. This is what I had to go through. Right now, Chelsea Gregg's team, and you heard her talk about how she's not very good at golf, minus 11. And Jorgie's team actually fell down a little bit. They're, they're also minus 11, actually. So I just see them, they're tied for second. But uh, there's a, a cluster of teams currently tied for second. Um, and then the other coach... Let me look for uh, the Jace Coburn here. They, they're down there a little bit. Jace Coburn is currently, yeah, second to last, unfortunately. So minus three for Jace Coburn, but maybe his team will be able to pick it back up. We did catch up with another head basketball coach in the area. That's Shante Leggins, the head coach at uh, University of Portland. And that was a very brief interview. We've been doing a series of interviews. Uh, some of our interviews come when they, you know, they come and sit at our table and really get to dive deep. And then we've, we've, uh, Jim and I have actually gone out into the golf course and just kind of uh, gotten the gotten the get filled in a little bit on how they're doing. So we did catch up with Shante Leggins. Let's go ahead and play that interview. All right, we're out here with Shante Leggins. He is the head coach of the men's basketball team at University of Portland. How are you today? Doing good. Really how, good. How's things so far on the course? I'm rolling with the shoe mill guys, and they're kicking butt. So yeah, it's going great. So tell us about why you decided to come out here today. Uh, I think the cause is great. You know, uh, we do a lot of basketball camps up at our. Up at all up at our school and um, you know being able to help a lot of these kids and and this this cause up there I'm, I'm making sure I'm getting out there Wednesday so it's gonna be a lot of fun to go see the, these young kids uh, all get together at all all shapes sizes and, and be able to go have fun with them when it comes to a program like the BFT Foundation Camp Exceptional bringing the all ages ability and all le skill levels ability how important is that to the kids the youth today to know that they can go out and do anything they want to do I think it's huge because I think everybody should be included in a lot of different things. I think you know, kids got skills in, in so many different areas that they just don't get to show because of the fact that they haven't been around and been able to be pushed. And so I think it's a great, I think it's a great cause. I think it's a great camp. And, you know, I'm looking forward to coming and checking it out on Wednesday when we get our day off of practice. All right, we've got to get you to the next hole. But before I let you go, um, the, the program offers so many different things, not just the camp exceptional, but also the ability to get out and do music classes and things like that, the BFT Foundation. Foundation. Without those, um, without those experiences, the kids these days, I mean, there's all sorts of things they can get in trouble with. Yeah, they won't get out. They'll stay on that iPad, phones. Get a, they may do it on TikTok or something. But I think getting out and you know being being around other kids, I think that's huge. And, and being around adults that that want to really help these young young people out, I think that's a big deal. And so, you know, I, I'm glad I'm a part of this 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 year again. And and you know, I'm looking forward to checking out the camps. But being able to to go out and and physically do things, I think that's a, that's a big deal for these young for this generation. All right, we appreciate your time. Good luck. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, so in this segment, we've heard from all we're missing is the University of Portland women's basketball coach, and then yeah. we would have we would have we got three out of the four D one college basketball coaches in the city of Portland. We covered them all, wouldn't we? We, we covered them all, and uh, Shante Leggins' team, by the way, currently tied for six. This this tournament's a real cluster right now. It's uh, there's one team <laughs> in a good way, in a yes, good way, <laughs> in, a, in a good way. There's one team that's currently first place. That's Wesley Ogle's team, and then you got Chelsea Gregg's team. They there's five teams tied for second, and then there's a bunch of teams tied for six. Shante Leggins' team is one of those teams currently tied for six. We'll continue to play more interviews from earlier in the day. We'll also keep you posted on the golf scores going on as they play golf as we speak right here at the Bald Face Truth Foundation Golf Tournament on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. <laughs> You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. John McPherson here with you at the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Celebrity Golf Tournament. I'm joined by Jim Ferretti, the KXL News Director for Alpha Media. Last segment, we got to hear from, like I mentioned, three out of the four D1 Portland basketball coaches. Portland State men's and women's head basketball coaches, and then we got to hear from Shante Leggins, who is the men's basketball coach over at the University of Portland. So we're trying to theme a lot of these segments, and the theme of this segment is going to be former professional athletes. Mike Walter we got to talk to, who is a former 49er, three-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, We got to hear from Alex Molden, and we got to hear from Bob Gross, who actually – was a part of the only Portland Trailblazers NBA championship in history. So he certainly had some things to say. So uh, we got, we're going to try to crank out three interviews in this segment. So let's go ahead and toss it over to Mike Walter. Caught up with him earlier, the three-time Super Bowl champ. Okay, another guest here on the Bald Face Truth. We are joined by Mike Walter, former NFL linebacker for the 49ers and the Cowboys. He also played collegiately for Oregon. He is out here supporting or representing, I should say, Team Lakeside Lumber. Mike, how's it going? Great to be out here. Got a great day. Weather's good. Hopefully the golf game will be adequate. How many years have you been doing this? You know, I think I played in every tournament. One time I had a conflict and I, I couldn't make it. But, uh, yeah, I've been playing in this tournament uh, for, for a while now. It's been a great, great tournament. So what's this foundation mean to you? Uh, you know, anytime you're helping kids out, it's great. Um, you know, uh, I've seen some of the things that they've done with some of these kids, and I've talked to some kids before. It's just really a neat deal. Talk to me about your experience growing up in organized athletics. I'm assuming it was athletics. That was kind of your thing, considering you ended up in the NFL. What what was your experience like as a child? And, you know, were you – did you have the resources? And why why is it important for, for you to be able to support kids that might not have the resources? Um. Yeah, I was just a kid that just, uh, you know, loved sports and whatever it was, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, kicking the ball, kickball or or playing four square or whatever. I mean, just just loved sports and uh, I kind of fell in love with basketball. I actually didn't play football until my senior year in high school. Wow. I was uh, uh, played baseball until I once I saw my first curveball, I quit baseball and went to track. Uh, enjoyed track and uh, played basketball and, and uh, kind of just went out for football on a whim and uh, ended up having a pretty good senior year and uh, uh, things went well from that and I went to the University of Oregon and played and then uh, got an opportunity to, to, to play in the league and played there for 11 years. 
Yeah, I wanna I wanna stop in in high school. How one season in high school? How are you able to be good enough in that one year to land at Oregon? Well, I think that's uh, that's a point when I talk to kids and then when I talk to people, I think you have to be a, a good athlete first. And I think uh, you know just movement and 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 uh, you know I I think to the players that I played with in the NFL like Jerry Rice and. And some Joe Montana, if you watch those guys play basketball or softball, I played in a few little charity softball games with those guys. I mean, it's unbelievable. So um, you develop your athletic skills, and those segue into other sports. Now, I haven't found that to be the truth with golf yet. <laughs> but, you know, uh, other than that, uh, that's what I, I, I truly believe. Golf's a completely different beast. <laughs> It's uh, it's all skill. It's it's not a lot of not a lot of athleticism. I've found the uh, the same thing. So let's stop in uh, in Eugene. And so talk to me about uh, your college days and, and playing under Rich Brooks. Yeah, um, uh, playing for Brooks. I think I I, I came his uh, third year, uh, and uh, you know I I remember being a local kid and have some of the great athletes uh, from high school. Uh, you know guys like Danny Ainge and, and other uh, athletes that, that went out of town, and I was always kind of bummed out when they left, you know, because it was always kind of fun to have the, you know, the local kids stay. And, and uh, um, So kind of when it came my turn, I, I, I didn't have a whole bunch of schools to look at, but I did look at some schools that, that, that were um, uh, Washington State or Oregon State, some other schools. But uh, in the end, I, I, staying home just seemed like a good thing to do because I, I, I just remember being a kid how important it was to me to have some of the local athletes stay around and, and play. So you entered the league, and you you played for the 49ers and Cowboys. It seemed like you had a little bit more of a stint with the 49ers, right? Yeah, well, yeah. my, my stint with Dallas didn't go real great, but uh, I had a great uh, great time there. I met some great players. I got to play with some legends like Tony Dorsett. And, um, it was really kind of a, a, a cool time, but uh, it just didn't work out there. And uh, I ended up getting a chance to go to the 49ers, which was always my favorite team growing up because wow. there, there wasn't a Seattle fr- franchise when I was a young kid. And so I kind of grew up a 49er fan watching uh, uh, John Brody and Gene Washington and some of those you know, old name guys. And so um, getting a chance to play for the 49ers was pretty cool because my dad and uh, family were 49er fans too. So you went three Super Bowls with the 49ers. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna automatically assume that your favorite memory from the NFL is winning a Super Bowl. So I want to ask you, maybe it is. Uh, what, what's your favorite memory out of playing in the league? Uh, you know, people always ask me what was my favorite Super Bowl, and they were they were all completely different. The the first one was my first year at San Francisco, and that was that was huge just because I had come from Dallas, where you know I didn't ha- I didn't you know I didn't light up the world there, so it was kind of fun coming to San Francisco and actually playing right away, and uh, playing a lot in that game. That was that was that was neat. And then, um, and, the, and the later two Super Bowls were, uh, you know, I was I was starting at that time in those games. Uh, had a I had an interception in one. And, uh, you know, a, a funny story about that is that, uh, uh, you know, from Eugene, and uh, um, so I, I had this this uh, interception during the Super Bowl, but uh, I guess the power went off in Eugene, and uh, the cable went off or something, so no one saw it. And so uh, my brother tells a story where he went back. He was at that time at the University of Oregon, and he went back to his college dorm, and uh, Everyone was talking about the game and congratulations. He's like, how about my brother's uh, interception? They're like, what? We didn't see that. <laughs> so my hometown never saw it. <laughs> well, well, having an interception in the Super Bowl is about as, as good of something as you can do. That's about as high of a moment as you can get. Did it take it away a little bit, the fact that people in Eugene didn't get to see it? 
oh no, I think it's just it was kind of a funny story, you know. But uh, no, no, I, I, you know, if I would have caught it and scored the touchdown, it would have been a little bit better. But I think I, I think I had a two-yard return. <laughs> do you still get to keep in touch with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, any of your old teammates? Yeah, we do. We get together every once in a while. They had a, a deal um, a few years ago for all the guys that played 10 years for the 49ers, and there's not a whole lot of them. And uh, it was great seeing those guys. Um, I, I enjoyed, I don't know, for any 49er fans out there, uh, Netflix has this, this series called uh, Cool Under Pressure, and it's a story of Joe Montana. And uh, uh, I just got done watching that uh, about a month ago, and that was a lot of fun for me because I forgot a lot of the stuff that took place there and in the, in the, about the rivalry between uh, Steve Young and Joe Montana and all that. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So any, any, any uh, great 49er fans out there, I would suggest watching that. It was a pretty good show. Do you still consider yourself a, a big football fan with the Ducks, with the Niners, maybe the Cowboys? Like, what? where is your football fandom these days? You know, I... I, I I kind of, kind of didn't watch a lot of the NFL after I retired. I you know a little bit here and there, but really uh, a lot of college. You know, went to, you know the University of Oregon. I watch a lot of those games and just like college football and the and the uh, the Pac-12. Um, I I kind of have a sour taste in my mouth right now about everything that's happening in college football. You know, so maybe I'll just uh, I'll go back to watching more pro football. Right. We'll see. Right. Where do you want Oregon to land up? Do you have a do you have a strong opinion about? You know, I, I you know you just had uh, you talked to Mike Jorgen. I was just talking to Mike, and uh, you know, no one really knows right now. So I, it's kind of a wait and see. I, I, I tell people all the time. Uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, look at football what it was three years ago, and look at where it's five years from now, and it's it's going to look something completely different, and and who knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Niners Super Bowl this year, Ducks National Championship, either of those likely to happen? Yeah, it would be fun if, if both of them happened, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, both of them both of them are pretty good teams. <laughs> Mike Walter, thank you so much. You going to you going to play well on the golf course today? Um, I'm going to play, so we'll see how play. it goes. Right. There's been, not been a single guest yet that said I'm going to kill it out there. Everyone seems to be a little bit insecure about their golf skills, but nonetheless, thank you so much for taking the time. It was uh, it was awesome to talk to a former three-time Super Bowl winner and um Again, best of luck out there. Thank you. All right. Mike Walter, 49ers fans, Duck fans listening, may have enjoyed that one uh, a little bit extra after he talked about some of his background playing NFL football and playing uh, under Rich Brooks in Eugene. We'll quickly segue over to Bob Gross, former Portland Trailblazer. He's out on the course right now, and our own Jim Ferretti caught up with him earlier. All right, we're here with Bobby Gross. We're sitting in his cart. Uh, your team just got done on 18, and he eagled. And they said, couldn't have done it without Bobby Gross. You didn't, take, you didn't take the putt. Well, I didn't have to. <laughs> Tell us about um, why you're out here, why this is important for you. Well, it's important because there's a lot of charities in town that uh, need help and support. And, and if, if I can play golf and help a tournament, uh, I'm all in. What, what is Bobby Gross doing these days? Obviously, you know, you're a major part of the Portland Trailblazers. Where, what are you doing these days? Uh, I still work. I work for a living. I work for a, a company called McBride Construction. They're out of um, the Seattle area, but I, we have a little office down here and uh, been involved with them for almost 15 years now. You mentioned the kids and helping support them. Tell us a little bit more about the Bald Face Truth Foundation, what it means to you. Uh, well... Most charities do involve kids, and this one does a variety of things, which is really neat. 
Uh, I like the idea that there's a camp that kids get to go to and enjoy themselves for a day and lose themselves. Um, the other things that they do, I'm not 100% sure what they are, but uh, I know that all the money goes to a charity, which is that, that benefits kids, and that's all that matters to me. Well, I can tell you as the father of a kid who's gone to the camp, it's absolutely amazing, so what you're doing is a great job. Thank you. So, Bobby Gross, what does it look like today for you on the course? You ready for this? It's good. I, I don't know how we're going to keep this up with three under after two holes. So, <laughs> But we got a par five. Maybe we can do it again. Bobby, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Okay, so we have three Super Bowl rings and one NBA Finals ring so far in this segment. we got one more interview for you. Alex Molden, former NFL player and also a, uh, a father currently. Uh, Alex Molden, let's go ahead and punch that one up. Okay, in the golf cart with Alex Molden, former NFL player, former Oregon Duck. Alex, how's the day going so far? Man, day is going great. Beautiful weather. Meet some new people. You know, creating friendships and whatnot, all while supporting a beautiful cause. Golfing-wise, they going well? It's going all right. It could be better. <laughs> I need to be better off the tee. Um, hit some some pretty good putts, but um, uh, yes, yeah, been having fun. Having fun. Which team are you a part of, and how's the team faring? Team is doing pretty good. Our team is what is it called? It is the <laughs> it's something A team. We're calling ourselves the A-Team. Okay. We'll have to look that up for you. We'll have okay. to look that up for you. Yeah, so what, is, what does the cause mean to you, and how many how many years have you been doing this event? So I think this is probably my fourth or fifth year. And, you know, anything for children, especially those with, you know, challenges and whatnot. You know, we have a, a child that is, um, you know, he has some challenges and whatnot, you know, with his neurological is a little bit delayed. So, um, you know, we understand what, what kids are going through and what parents go through. So anything we can be able to do is to support, you know, what John has going on. I'm all for it. Absolutely. Well, that's all I need from you. Thank you very much. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I will. Thank you very all much. Right. It's the high caliber B team, actually. So uh, he's not the A team, but he is part of high caliber. So just to clear that up, which team he's representing. But 296 tackles, 8 sacks, 12 interceptions, 5 forced fumbles. This might be the most athletic segment that we've ever had. Yeah, the most star-studded, the most athlete-studded uh, segment in the history of the Bald Face Truth. That being said, we're going to jump to a quick break. Be sure to stay locked in. Plenty more to come on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. John McPherson in for John Canzano today. I'm also joined by Jim Ferretti, the KXL News Director. And we are out here in Aloha at the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. A best ball golf tournament out here at the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club. And live look at the leaderboard. It is still Wesley Ogle's squad that is, uh, that's leading this thing right now. Team Northwest Screen Supply, led by, well, I won't say led by, but I will say the celebrity on that team is Wesley Ogle, and they currently have minus a score of minus 14. Shante Leggins squad, uh, a.k.a. that team is sponsored by uh, Shoe Mill. They are currently minus 14 as well. Miss, uh, Miss Oregon's team leads the, uh, the tide for second. 
Uh, Ariel Freitag, they are currently minus 13. And then got to keep you posted wherever they are on this leaderboard uh, on Team Canzano. They are currently minus 8. And, again, that team has all the Canzanos plus a couple more. Uh, again, they're minus 8. And it looks like that's going to be about middle of the leaderboard. And so, I'm told they're on hole 13 right now. So we got a ways before we're going to see them here. Yeah, let's – Jim, let's let's make an official prediction here. We're both going to call our shot as to who who's going to win this thing. Okay, uh, a little little friendly competition here. All right. Um, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Miss Oregon's team. Nah, I'm going to go with Georgie's team. You're going to go with Georgie's oh, yeah, Georg- team. I watched Georgie hit an eagle putt on 18. Wow. They're okay. All, they're all good. So Georgie's team, aka that team, is actually sponsored by. Uh, Bricks. Yeah. Bricks. I was going to say Cricks. Uh, Bricks. They, is may, the... they may not want me rooting for them because after I told them they were in the lead one point, that you can't do that, man. <laughs> uh, they are minus 11 right now, uh, tied for second. So All I'm right. going to say it's going to be Team uh, Miss Oregon, and you're going to say it's Team Georgie, a.k.a. A team Bricks. Yep. Uh, so we will keep an eye on that one. But let's continue to churn out some of the interviews that we've been collecting. Uh, we caught up with former Major League Baseball umpire Jim Joyce, he's out here as well. Uh, let's see how he's golfing in this interview. All right, we are hanging out in the golf cart of former Major League umpire Jim Joyce. First of all, thanks for coming out and supporting the foundation. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's, you know, it's for a great cause. I'll do anything for kids. And I told John this morning, you know, if you have other stuff going on, give me a call because it's a great cause. Why is it so important for you? Well, I had kids, and they were fortunate enough to benefit from what I did they really didn't want for much and there's a lot of kids out there that want and need and so if there's anything I can do to help that I'm in what's it life been like for you uh, for as a former major umpire uh, major league umpire as you as you don't do it anymore you know what are you doing these days (laughs) this is the best part about being a major league umpire or at least a retired major league umpire uh, I get to do this kind of stuff. Um, I get to give back to my family that for 40 years I was on the road. And so I get to give back to them a little bit more than, you know, just winters at home. I get summers at home now. And uh, I get to know my kids a little bit better. Um, retirement's actually made me a better husband, a better father, a you know, just all around better person probably, and it's doing things like this. I think I can understand that a lot. You're around your family more, having a good time. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we'll get back to the foundation, the golf tournament here in a minute. Tell me a little bit about Major League Baseball today. You're watching a lot. It's it's. There's a lot of talk on social media about umpiring these days, isn't there? Yeah, and I don't think it's particularly warranted, to be honest with you. Nothing's changed in umpiring. Um, the, uh, the only thing that's changed in umpiring these days is social media. Social media has gotten a hold of uh, um, made-up things, in my humble opinion. These things are not endorsed by Major League Baseball, and I think everybody knows what I'm talking about, the, the, the fake strike zones out there that they're putting on the Internet, and they're not, they're not accurate. Um, I know. I sat there in replay and watched uh, pitches come in on both sides of the feeds, from home feed and from the away feed, and the dirty little secrets that happen, you know, with K-Zone, and it's not what it's made up to be. They can say it's accurate all day long. I'll give, I'll give them the idea that's in the ballpark. It's, it's, it's close, but if you're worried about one or two or three or four pitches a night, then my suggestion is 
give them more challenges. If you're in a situation with bases loaded, you don't like the pitch, either way, the way the pitch came in or way the uh, or the hitter didn't like it, either way, challenge it. And then use your K-Zone. But not to call every pitch, every inning, every batter. It's, it's going to destroy. I'm not going to say it's going to destroy the game, but it's going to hurt the game immensely. Do you miss being part of the game like that <laughs> as an umpire? I miss the game. Yeah. I don't miss the travel. I don't miss the hotels. I don't miss the airplanes. I miss the game, and I miss the people that I made friends with for 40 Forty some years. All right, back to the BFT Foundation, a great organization. What What would you say to people who maybe don't know about it and, and maybe want to get supported, support, supportive of it? Well, what John does with these kids in their summer camp and everything it gives these kids an opportunity to go someplace and have you know have fun, get out of the environment and go see things and enjoy the outdoors, enjoy what what they put out there, musical instruments, sports. You know, all kinds of things. The interests are uh, enormous, and it's a great foundation to support. And I, I was, like I said earlier, I was talking to, I was talking to John. You know what? If you got more things going on, let me know. I'm in. I'm in. Great to hear that. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Jim Joyce, former Major League Baseball umpire. Man, that was uh, that was really it was really good to hear from him. It seems like he's he's really enjoying retirement, getting to be able to do things like this. Because, I mean, the reality is, when you're a major league baseball umpire, it's similar to what we were talking about with the coaches earlier. You're probably away a lot, and you're busy a lot. So it's good that he gets to spend time with his family and, and enjoy a nice day like this, yeah, take some time to himself. He said it made him a better husband, better father. You know, his his kids are grown now. What I found really interesting was about the strike zone because if you follow baseball at all right now, man, it's the strike zone. It's the bad umpiring that everyone is talking about. And social media, uh, like he said, has made it even worse because anyone can speak their mind at any time. Um, and what I found interesting about the K-Zone, you know, he's talking about the little, the little box you see on TV now in every single baseball game. It may be different for the home feed and the away feed, so you never know. It's I, I'd like to dig more into that and see what he has to say about that. Okay, so we just heard from a former MLB umpire. How about the dugout uh, reporter? Dugout, yeah, dugout reporter currently for the Hillsboro Hobbs, also a former Washington State volleyball player, also an analyst and sideline reporter for the Pac-12, but wear uh, many hats, Nicole Rigoni. Uh, let's go ahead and see how she's playing. Hey, who are we here with? We're with Nicole Rigoni. Because I can't say the name. <laughs> what are you doing out here today? It's, this is exciting. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. This is my second time doing the Bald Faith Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. And I am out here, you know, supporting the kids in our local community. I am a local project here, actually. So I went to Southridge High School, and I know how important athletics, music, and all different kinds of outside of curricular activities, like academics, are to kids. So coming out here, being a local product, uh, played volleyball at Washington State, and then now broadcasting, I know that these kids need to be put into as many activities as possible so that their gifts can be used in our communities as well. Okay, you're starting out here on what hole today, and how are you playing so far? So we start out on 18, and let me tell you, I'm making contact. Almost made it on the first putt on the green, so all I'm trying to do is just swing straight. <laughs> <laughs> Swing straight's one thing. Hitting the ball straight's another, right? Hitting the ball straight is another, yep. Tell me about, you, you mentioned it's important for kids to get the, uh, the access to athletics, to music, to anything they need. This foundation does so much for that. Um, without that kind of support, what would kids be doing? 
you know, um, they'd be doing probably a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing at their age and being able to get into athletics and music and anything outside of like those school hours is so important because, you know, kids could be doing gosh knows what. And you would just want to make sure that their time is spent in places where they can have their talents thrive and build great futures for themselves and just be able to kind of understand themselves. I mean, at the end of the day, we all want to figure out how we can add value to the earth. So that is a good place for them to start. Okay, and lastly, before I let you go, you ready for a Pac-12 season beyond no others? Oh, yeah, I am. This is going to be a wild ride. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Bye. Good to hear from Nicole Ragoni. That's another person whose life is about to get very busy. Oh, she yeah. uh, Once the fall starts, you know, football season, volleyball season, she plays a big role in volleyball broadcast for the Pac-12 Network. But right now, you know, she's also working right now with the Hillsboro Hops. So she does uh, – she does a lot in sports media in the Portland area. With that being said, we have to jump to break. We come back. We will play even more interviews. Continue to hear from some of the golfers right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. John McPherson and Jim Ferretti in for John Canzano today. He is out participating in this golf tournament that he's also running, the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament out here in Aloha, the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club. Uh, earlier today, we caught up with Adam Bjornson. He was busy out on the course. He was very competitive, and his team was uh, you know, looking to make a little bit of a comeback rather down in the standings, and uh, they were coming off yeah, a decent hole at the time, but caught up with former or former studio host for the Blazers, current coin sports director and anchor uh, in the middle of golf competition. Let's hear that interview. All right, in the golf cart with Adam Bjornsson, Coin6 News. Adam, walk me through your day so far. Uh, what are we, three holes in? We're even par. I lost the pink ball. So sad. I mean, it just mud on my face today, so... <laughs> You know, you're actually, uh, you're pretty, no, I've heard you're a good golfer. You know, on all the BFT Foundation celebrity golf uh, descriptions, it said Adam Bjornsson, actually a good golfer. This guy can actually play. They lied. They lied. <laughs> no, listen, I, I have two full-time jobs. I have three kids currently under the age of eight. I don't get to play golf. I used to play golf about twice a week. And there was a span seven, eight years ago where I was playing a lot. Now I play like five times a year, and it's usually in, in tournaments like this. So uh, I don't get a chance to get out. I want to be better. Boy, do I want to be better. But I, I don't have the time to get out and do it. It's just not possible. Team Gresham Ford, you guys, a uh, couple holes through. You got, you got a chance of winning this thing? Uh, Bob's been great. Uh, he's been coaching us along. Mike Miller's been doing a great job as well. So uh, Gresham Ford, yeah, we're, we're the team to beat. So we think, right, Bob? Say it, Bob. Yes, sir. There you go. Yeah. So uh, we, we we got some uh, we got some making up to do because we heard there's some uh, there's some ringers and some sandbaggers out here. What does this cause mean to you? It means a lot. You know, I've been doing John's tournament now for ten years. I think I'm one of the OGs. I, I've been part of this each and every year. I never miss it. 
John and I have had a relationship that goes back 20 years now, and uh, every time he asks me to step up and do something, I'm always on board for it. So, And, of course, anything with that's going to help out kids in our community and, and uh, get the things that they need and want and desire. So count me in every time John does something, and uh, the BFT Foundation has just been tremendous. Adam Bjornsson, Coin6 News. Uh, thank you very much, and go get them. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Adam Bjornsson, uh, got to caught up, catch up with him uh, out on the golf course. Maybe he's playing a little bit better. better. We'll have to uh, take a look at the leaderboard and, and fill you guys in on how Team Bjornsson uh, is doing. But we just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors uh, for this event, uh, the, the people that and the establishments that are making this thing happen. Brooks Tavern, Kim's Warriors, uh, NSI, Sport Oregon, Northwest Screen Supply, Team Klaus, uh, Lakeside Lumber, Growler Guys, Canlish Family, uh, High Caliber has two teams out here, Bridgetown Window and Door, Biologic Resources, uh, Gresham Ford, Tico's, The Wall, First Call Heating and Cooling, Shoe Mill, Breakside Brewery, University of Portland, Sport Oregon, and my personal favorite, 750 The Game. But, Jim, just so valuable what the sponsors are are helping. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it throughout the broadcast today, just how how uh, important of a cause it is. Oh, most of the money goes to Camp Exceptional, which is actually next week at LaSalle High School. Uh, it's a great event. brings together uh, kids from all abilities, uh, mentally and physically, and helps them just come together. And if you've never witnessed it happen, it is something just so magical to see a child who maybe has trouble walking or has trouble uh, meeting friends and to watch these Portland State football players, these giants of men, come down on their level and just bring everyone together, it's a great thing. Yeah, it's just uh, it's so cool to see all these sports figures and former athletes and coaches and all these people who are known for uh, you know being in sports and hearing them talk about just the importance of organized, not only sports growing up, but just any kind of organized activity. And again, you know, not everyone can afford those kind of kinds of events you know it's, those things are expensive it's you know? very important absolutely so uh can't thank the sponsors enough and with that being said we are going to come back uh quick sports up, update from Stephen vaughn come back play the five at five right here on the bald face tooth radio network b f f t now Presented by High Caliber Millwrights, live from the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, site of the Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. This is the Bald, Bald Face Faced Truth. Truth. 84 degrees currently in Aloha at the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, the site of the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth foundation celebrity golf tournament i couldn't be happier to be under uh this little deck right now under this uh this roof in the shade nice and cool we got our uh, our broadcasting table we got our 750 the game banners and we got all sorts of golfers somewhere out in the uh this giant golf course they're all out there we got one hole uh finishing up right now we'll see who that ends up being and we'll get another look at the leaderboard soon we got jim ferretti uh, getting ready to interview someone, I believe, whoever is finishing up this hole. But, uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted on on who's going to win this thing. Keep in mind, uh, Jim Ferretti, uh, my partner here today, he predicted that Mike Jorgensen's team, also known as uh, the Team Bricks, is going to win this thing. 
while I predicted that it's going to be Team Miss Oregon, and she is Team NSI. So I'll get another look when I get the chance at that leaderboard. It's located at the other side of this, uh, under this deck. But for now, let's go ahead and punch up the five at five, the five biggest things going on in the sports world today. The five at five. Go ahead and start in the NBA. This story really confuses me. DeAndre Ayton has signed an offer sheet to the Indiana Pacers. Four years, $133 million max offer sheet. It confuses me because of all of these sub-bullet points that I have here. Suns have 48 hours to match the largest offer sheet. Okay, that part makes sense. Uh, this thing doesn't start until midnight tonight. Eh, it kind of makes sense, but it's going to be 48 hours, so you do the math. That's going to be tonight. It's Thursday. The Suns have until Saturday at midnight to off to match this thing. The things that don't make sense, the Suns never made an offer, but reportedly they are going to match this thing. So they let the Pacers basically max this thing out as much as they could, spend as much money on DeAndre Ayton as possible, and then they're going to match. And then the other thing that confuses me is that the Suns, they never showed interest in a sign-in trade with Aiton. So it doesn't feel like they're that warm on DeAndre Aiton, and yet it doesn't seem like they're trying to get any compensation. Compensation. So uh, just some NBA uh, semantics as well as the Suns' motives here is what really confuses me. Steven, any any thoughts on, on what's going to happen here? What's your prediction? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the Suns are going to match because he's such a young, valuable piece still, and he's only 23 years old, and he is a good player. If they didn't want to keep him, they would have traded him in a sign and trade. So the fact that they didn't do that seems like they're going to they're gonna have to match. You can't just lose a guy like that for nothing. So seems like the Suns are going to match, but it, it is interesting and weird that they didn't offer him any type of deal going into it, and they just were waiting for another team to give him that offer sheet. I think the Suns are going to strike out on Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton is going to be their consolation prize for a lot of money. Four years, $133 million. Steven, what's number two? Number two, we got the Open Championship over there in Scotland in St. Andrews. And Cameron Young, as I said in the update, is eight under par and in the lead. And Rory McIlroy, the betting favorite coming into the tournament, he is six under. He's in second place. Some of the live golfers, though, uh, Sean, they've done really well. Uh, Phil Mickelson didn't do great, but he was uh, shot even par. Dustin Johnson was under par. I believe he was three or four under par. And then uh, Tiger Woods, who kind of called out the live golfers for uh, taking all the money, he struggled six over par. And, you know, it's going to be a struggle for him to make the cut uh, after the second round. So uh, some interesting things happening over there overseas. And uh, it's always a cool tournament to watch because it's, it's such a historical golf course. Like, I... Out of the majors that I watch, you know, I, I'm not a big golf guy, but when it's the majors, I'm always tuning in. So uh, I'm excited to watch the rest of this tournament. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens there and see if uh, if Liv can can make a real fight at maybe winning this thing. Um, but we have this golf tournament to, to finish up first, of course. Of course. Uh, we got a couple golf tournaments going on. Uh, our third story in the 5 at 5, if I were to tell you that we got a rotator cuff slash bicep partial tear injury, and this particular person is going to be out for a month, you'd probably think I'm talking about an athlete in the sports world. I'm actually talking about Stephen A. Smith. He had a shoulder injury, and he's not going to be with ESPN. He'll, you know, if you're a big fan of first take, first of all, I, uh, I'm i not really sure why. Yeah, why? 
But second of all, you're not going to see Stephen A. Smith for a while. He, uh, again, a rotator cuff bicep partial tear. Um, and he said, see you in August. So he's, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, it's rare that you get the media injury. But uh, Stephen A. Smith, wishing him a, a good recovery. I, I know shoulder injuries are, are no joke. What's the fourth story? Uh, yeah, number four, Seattle Mariners. Can you believe this? I mean, what year are we in? Ten in a row as they won two games yesterday in D.C. They had done this since 2002, and now they're looking to go to win 11 games, which would be the first time since 20 or uh, since 2001, and that's when they won 116 games. So the Mariners, they're on a hot streak right now, and they are tied for second place in the wild card here with the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. And you know, at the start of the year, it was such a such a disastrous start for the Mariners after all the money they spent and all the young players they brought up. But Julio Rodriguez has proven to be a star. I mean, he looks like he could be a real deal MVP candidate in a couple years. They got the starting pitch in Logan Gilbert. Uh, looks like he could be an ace. They just demoted George Kirby, but that's because of the innings limit. They're trying to you know save his innings for later on in the season. I mean, they got some young pieces. They got some veteran pieces. I really hope that the Mariners make a move at the deadline and really go for the playoffs this year because they were close last year. They haven't made it since 2001. I mean, 21 years. Get in the get in the get on the bandwagon here. I'm standing right next to a uh, a big Mariners fan. Is the that big right? Big bandwagon Jim? right here. Oh gosh. What are your yes. thoughts on ten in a row? All right, ten in a row hasn't happened since '02. Yeah. Um. It, it. I saw something today. It said you know for all those people who say it's a long season, give us Mariners fans a break, man. It's been 20 years, 21 years since we've seen the playoffs. We sniffed them last year. We won this year. Can I talk about something else real quick yeah. about the Mariners? Yeah, yeah. Ty France is the biggest snub in the All-Star game, and he still got snubbed today when Corey Seager got selected. I think Dusty Baker is just out for the Mariners mm-hmm. after that game. Yeah, Ty, Ty's been awesome. I mean, he's been the one guy who's been consistent all year. Julio struggled to start, but now he's awesome. But, yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, he, he is a big snub. I do believe that. The fifth story in the 5 out 5, the Jazz and the Knicks – more NBA talk have started discussion started discussions on a Donovan Mitchell trade. Sources tell Sham Sharanya, a very reliable source. New York has Utah's focus currently among interested teams. I feel like the cat is out of the bag. The toothpaste is out of uh, the uh, the tooth. What's the right word? I heard someone use the expression tube? earlier. Tooth tube. The toothpaste tube. <laughs> I feel like this, uh, once once it's said, once Sham Sharanya goes and tweets that uh, Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks are, are close, I, I think this is a done deal. Um, I really think that, I you know, if I were a gambling man, and, you know, sometimes I am, I would be betting Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, which I, I really thought it was going to be the Heat at first. I, I, I knew as soon as, again, you know, cats out the bag, as soon as they tweeted um, that Donovan Mitchell, you know, the Jazz are listening. I, I knew that was a legit thing. I knew Donovan Mitchell, okay, he's going to get traded. And now it's another situation where, you know, it's tweeted. It's tweeted for a reason. Someone asked for this to be out there, and it's Sham Sharanya. I think he's going to be a New York Nick, and quite frankly, uh, it's just too guard-heavy, and the defense is going to be pretty awful uh, in New York. But it'll be fun. You know, they'll have some stars. So good for the Knicks, I guess. Steven, what's your thoughts on, you know, potential Donovan Mitchell to New York situation? Yeah, I mean, if you're the Knicks, you got to go get him though, because he's 25 years old. He, you know, he's been a good playoff performer, and that's the thing. A lot of these guys sometimes they don't perform well in the playoffs. He's been a great playoff performer. So, to, just to get an All-Star caliber player, I think if you're the Knicks, you got to try to do anything you can to get him in there. But with having said all that, you know, 
they still may only be a play-in team. They may be, you know, a, the sixth seed, the five seed. It's not like they're going to be NBA Finals contenders. But if you are the Knicks, you just got to acquire talent and then hope that uh, everything else falls into place. All right, that is the five at five. And we got so, a little uh, breaking news. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, during the five at five, Woj tweeted out that DeAndre Ayton has in fact actually signed the co- the offer sheet. So the Suns are on the clock for the forty eight hours. Okay, so I like Ayton for the Pacers. I think they have the cap space. They have a young team that is looking to uh, kind of be good in a couple of years. And DeAndre Ayton fits their timeline very nicely. He adds another star, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, they drafted Ben Matherin out of Arizona. I like their team, Chris Duarte out of Oregon. I like it for the Pacers. I don't like it for the Suns to be able to not, you know, it doesn't seem they like like they like DeAndre Ayton that much. It doesn't seem like they really wanted to pay him, so they just kind of did nothing, and I think they were looking for Kevin Durant this whole time. It doesn't seem like the DeAndre Ayton marriage is going very well in Phoenix, and now their only choice is either let him go for nothing or sign him for a massive deal that the Pacers can afford and the Suns can less so afford. What do you think, Steven? No, I, I agree with you, but I think if you're the Suns, you have to get him. You have to bring him back. There's no there's no way you can lose that guy for nothing. You drafted nothing. him over Luka. Right. And, and Trey Young. You know, the one thing, though, is sometimes there is one thing that can solve a hurt relationship, and that is uh, dollar bills. And it's going to be $133 million that the Suns are going to be paying DeAndre Ayton. So Ayton is going to get his money can that you know fix the relationship? It may or may not, but it's at least a good starting point. If the Suns want to try to rebuild this relationship, they are going to you know match that contract and give him that money, and you know maybe he wants to be back in Arizona. Yeah, maybe. I I saw a tweet, a stat that said DeAndre Ayton averages eighteen and ten when he's not uh, playing with Devin Booker or Chris Paul. So it, there's there's kind of proof in the pudding that he's a really good player when he gets a little bit more touches, uh, when he's kind of the focal point of Phoenix's offense. He's been the machine that everyone thought he would be coming out of the draft. And, I, I you know, he hasn't lived up to that number one pick in that stacked draft, but he's been he's been pretty darn good. You know, he's just short of an all-star level player right now, and he's young. So uh, DeAndre Ayton's a nice player, and, uh, yeah, I think Phoenix just it, it would be tough to swallow that one. Yeah, he's a really good young player. May never be that superstar all-star player, but he is a good piece that has proven he can perform in the playoffs as well. But if you're the Blazers, you know, you're really rooting for Aiton to go to the Pacers, just get him off, and hopefully the Suns fall off a little bit. Um, the Suns lost JaVel McGee. If they lose DeAndre Aiton, they'll be stuck with uh, Bismack Biombo as their only center. And then we know Utah has been trading players as well. So if you're a Blazers fan... You, know, you got you want to hope that the Suns make the weird choice and they let their young 23-year-old star go to the Indiana Pacers and don't get anything back for him. Mm-hmm. And then the last topic that we haven't discussed that I brought up, Stephen A. Smith, he's missing a month. Man, do you think do you think if you have a, that bad of a shoulder injury, would you want to be at work talking about sports? Because it's funny. I think people are going to laugh at this, be like, all right, you, you have an injury, you're missing a month, you sound like an athlete. Like you, Your job is to talk about sports, but at the same time, I could see it from Stephen A. Smith's perspective. He just wants to get some rest, and uh, his shoulder's probably in a lot of pain. How, which way do you see it? Well, you think I, he should be at work? You know, Stephen A. Smith does like 8,000 shows for ESPN, right. so I think it's more of an excuse of, you know what, I, I'm going to take this month off. Uh, there's not much going on in sports right now, so what can we really be arguing besides who's better, LeBron or Jordan? So, you know, give me this month off. Let me regroup. Uh, let's come back for football season. I'll come back, you know, and be Stephen A. like I always am. 
Yeah, the sports are pretty dead right now. Besides, unless you're in Oregon or unless you're a track and field fan, we got the world championships coming up. But um, some of our mainstream sports, basketball, football, you know, we do have a big golf tournament going on right now. Uh, baseball's in the regular season. But I would say basketball, football, we're still kind of uh, in wait-and-see mode and, you know, kind of in this dead, dead period um, when it comes to, you know, almost football season, basketball, free agency's kind of waned a little bit after the hot start. Um, you know, college football we're waiting. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a dead period. So I understand it for Stephen A. Smith, and I understand anyone else that this is the ideal time uh, to take a break if you're in sports media. But but not us here on the, um, on the Bald Face Truth. We're going to jump to a quick break. When we come back, we've got 45 minutes left on our show today. We still have more interviews to play for you. We'll probably catch up with some people and maybe a live interview later in the show right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. We're out here at Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club, right on the border of Aloha and Hillsboro, the site of the eighth annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. My name is Sean McPherson. I'm holding down the fort while. Uh, John is out there golfing right now. He might be coming by pretty soon. There is one group uh, that's golfing right in front of me. And uh, we're hoping to have John or maybe Anna on towards the end of the show. But for right now, uh, we have the last couple of interviews that we recorded earlier. And we got, in this segment, a pair of K2 uh, news anchors, news and weather anchors. So we're going to go ahead and uh, start with uh, it's uh, Nikki. We got Nikki Torres, excuse me, K2 Weekend Morning Weather and Anchor and Reporter. Uh, she's on draft. She's on Team Ticos. We talked to her about um, what it's like to be a meteorologist, what it's like to be a weather anchor. So let's go ahead and play that interview with Nikki Torres. So we are joined by Nikki Torres, a K2 Weather Anchor and Reporter. She is on Team Ticos today at the Bald Face Truth Radio Foundation Golf Tournament. Nikki, thanks for joining us. What brings you out here? A good day of golf, and I think this is the same team that I was with last year, so this is exciting. What was your experience like last year? What what brought you back? The first time I ever picked up anything golf was uh, at the tournament last year, so I've been playing a little bit since then. Okay, so, uh, so you kind of found a hobby out of this? Yeah, it's awesome. been fun. What about uh, what about the actual foundation? You know what you guys are are helping promote today and helping achieve with the uh, the kind of the philanthropic philanthropic <laughs> efforts of uh, this Bald Face Truth Foundation golf tournament. What about that is is intriguing to you? Yeah, it's a cool cause. I've learned more about it over the last year. So just seeing what BFT has been doing with Camp Exceptional and things like that, and this is a it's a great way to get outside and support a good cause. What did you do growing up, you know, whether it was sports, whether it was, um, you know, anything, maybe it, it relates to your career now, what, what kind of extracurriculars were you involved in that makes you passionate about giving back? You know, I, I, I'm an only child. I always loved doing team sports just because that was the way for me to socialize and get out there, whether I was good or not. Usually I wasn't that good, but it built character and I, I loved it. Yeah, and I continue to do it now. Um, I'm still running. I just ran a half marathon a couple weeks ago. Probably going to do another one later this summer. So just really getting out there, exercise. It's great for your physical health, mental health. Totally support it with kids. I want it to start early, hopefully, for a lot of kids. So that is a... Uh, 
kind of where I'm at. So it sounds like you've been uh you've been doing half marathons and you kind of <laughs> you credit it to some of your physical activity growing up. You yeah. know, maybe without without kind of what they're doing today, you wouldn't be able to to run some of those races and do do some of the hobbies that you enjoy today. Oh yeah, for sure. It all it all kind of starts when you're a kid, and then you kind of just build those habits in, and you keep them with you. So K2 weather anchor and reporter. I have I have questions about weather anchor. <laughs> so what came first, being like the journalism background of it, or the meteorologist background of it? Like did were, did you get in the journalism and then kind of pick up weather, or did you get in the weather and then get the journalism part? Oh, it started with journalism because my first market was in Medford, Oregon, Southern Oregon, and uh, there was a job opening, and I was applying to be a reporter, and then the general manager said, oh, you know what? It's actually for also uh, weekend weather, so if you could also learn how to do that, then uh, this is the job for you. So then I learned on the job at my first market and then carried that through. I went to Spokane, also did weather there, and now I'm a weather anchor here. Did they... Do they tell you the weather? Do you study it? Like, how, how does it work? I've never really understood how, how, how it works. Yeah, so there's a, few, there's a few sources that you go through. There's a lot of models that you can just kind of look through, and then you, you kind of combine all of this information into your forecast. So you use whoever was working the night before or the morning before, use that information. You go to the National Weather Service, see what they're saying. And then there's a few models that you'll look at as well. There's a lot of atmospheric models that I'll use from the University of Washington. They're really great learn how to read those, and then you combine all of that information, and that's how you come up with your forecast. But to put it simply, you're responsible for all this weather out here right now. I am. You're so welcome. You're welcome. You see the sunshine. I don't even have a cloud to report. Beautiful. And you predicted this. Oh, I did. A thousand percent. <laughs> the obvious question is, do you ever get it wrong and, and, and hear the backlash? Yes. Okay. Oh, Especially yeah. snow season, I'm sure. Uh, snow season, snow season, not so much. People, we, we go in heavy on that, so nobody's really upset about that. But uh, when it rains and you said that it was going to be sunny, yeah, people get pretty upset. I, uh, I'll leave work sometimes, and I'm like, gosh, dang it. I said that it wasn't going to rain. And there it is. I'm crossing over the bridge, and there's some sprinkles coming down. But, you know, a slight chance. Yeah. A slight chance. So no snow backlash, though, because, I mean, I, growing up as a kid, you know, kids are so passionate about snow. If you predict snow, kids are going to go crazy, especially, because that means school's canceled. I'm surprised that it's not the snow where maybe you predict snow, doesn't end up snowing, or, you know, the other way around, because adults don't really like snow. The, the roads are closed and all of that. You say it's not going to snow, it ends up snowing. I'm surprised that snow isn't more of a, uh, a big big kind of backlash point for you i mean at this point i haven't gotten that part wrong but you know long career ahead who knows but i do i'm pretty straightforward i'm like you know kids i wouldn't bank on not having school tomorrow i even say that in the forecast i'm like you should probably do your homework and uh expect to go to school tomorrow and then if not there you go you got a snow day so are you strictly weather or you do news as well uh, no, so I do weekend weather in the mornings, and actually my co-anchor is out here this afternoon oh. as well, Wesley Ogle. Right, we interviewed her earlier. Yeah, so yeah. she's out here. I think it's her first time playing this tournament, so we're both excited to be here. Um, we work mornings as well, so she started at 3 a.m. this morning. Yeah. And uh, so we report on the weekdays. Okay, so you report. I was about to ask you, what does what the weekday look, for you, look like for you? Because you said you're a weekend uh, anchor reporter, so... Are you working today, uh, you know, during the typical today, weekday? Uh, today is my day off, actually, and so I uh, got lucky, already had the day off for today. So I'm out here playing a good round of golf for a good cause, but uh, Monday to Wednesday, and then for Wesley, Wednesday to Friday, um, we'll be up 3 a.m., you start, get to the station, and then you're on the air by 4.30 in the morning. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
and you've gotten used to those hours? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, I texted Wesley this morning at 4.11 in the morning because I thought I had work, and uh, I unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> but I even got up, I was, I was in the bathroom, and I'm like, I don't have work today. What are you doing up so early? It's just your, that's your natural. That's what the time, natural way, yeah. What time do you go to bed on a typical night? I mean, if I'm responsible, like 8 o'clock. So you're, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Late? It's hard during the summer. During the winter, when the sun doesn't go down at 9 o'clock, it's a lot easier. But during the summer, I kind of cut the sleep in half. I'll, I'll come back after work, and then I'll take, a, like, an afternoon cat nap. Man. And then, yeah. Anytime I have to do AM drive, I'm in bed by 6.30. It's it's hard when yeah. the sun is just beaming through the window though, yeah. and no, you that's still. True. And I live right like, I live in the city, so you can hear all of the hustle <laughs> and bustle. People are still around, so it's hard to kind of get in the zone. You're out on the field a lot. You know, you're probably out interviewing people, right? Is mm -hmm. that a big part of your job? It is, yeah. I asked Wesley this question. Are there any stories that come to mind with you interviewing people? You know, you're you're interviewing people mostly on the weather, right? Or a little bit of news? Uh, a little bit of both. A little, a little bit, bit of both. both, yeah. Yeah, any stories come to mind with just, I feel like there's a lot that comes with being out in the field, interviewing people, being, uh, you know, a part of some, some major news stories, major weather stories. Any any funny stories? Shoot, you put me on the spot. I'm sure there are that I can't think of right now, but it's always a good time when you're at an event or you're, you're covering some kind of recreation, because everyone's just in a good mood to begin mm -hmm. with, you know? So people are, are more free when they talk to the camera. Some, that's always the big thing, right, is when you're interviewing someone, they're like, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous. But when you go to an event or something, you know, you go out to a fair, you go out to, a let's say, a concert or something, everyone's just very relaxed and they're willing to, t you know, we're out here, we're having a good time. Those are always the best interviews, because it's so casual and people are so comfortable. They're not nervous about what they're saying. All right, last question for you year two at this event for you right yes and what are the expectations what did you how did you do last year as a golfer and how are you gonna are you gonna improve on that this year well again last year was the first time I ever picked up a golf club my team was so nice from what I remember I think they're a family and they told me that as brothers as cousins they go out like twice a week playing golf and so they are super nice and they helped me kind of learn, and then I did another tournament after that, and I kind of just kept going to the range. So the bar is set very low, as far as I'm concerned, going from zero to now having a little more experience. As long as I can hit the ball, we're good to go. And no one gets hurt. No one gets hurt. No one gets hurt. <laughs> well, there you have it, Nikki Torres, Team Ticos today, K2 weather anchor and reporter. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, of course. All right, that was... Nikki Torres. That was a. Uh, it was fun to hear about kind of the weather side of things. That's always been some a natural curiosity for me. Uh, you know, how do they how do they get that knowledge? How do you learn about the weather? How is it that uh, you know? How does that come to you every day? You know, how how are you how are you able to predict the weather? So you got to hear a little bit of that in that particular interview. And then when it comes to our next interview, we are about to. You're about to hear from Wesley Ogle, who was very down on her golf skills, but is currently, her team, Northwest Screen Supply, is currently tied for the lead, and the team that she is tied with is Miss Oregon's team, who I predicted would win this thing earlier in this broadcast, Team NSI, uh, so minus 16 for each of those squads, uh, so we will keep you posted on, you know, hopefully within the next 30 minutes here, this thing will be final, and we can let you know who ended up winning the BFT Foundation golf tournament but for right now let's hear 
from Wesley Ogle, a co-worker of Nikki Torres, uh, another K2 anchor. We are joined for our first interview of the day with Wesley Ogle, Team Northwest Screen Supply, one of our celebrity golfers, K2 anchor and reporter. Wesley, how's it going? Good. You did do your research. Did do my research. <laughs> what brings you out here today? Um, Anna Canzano. She reached out to me. She used to work at K2, so the station I work at. So I knew her way back when, and of course, if she asked me to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. Is Anna kind of a mentor figure for you? Yeah, I'd say so. I didn't get to work with her too much because she left the business pretty soon after I came in. But yeah, always looked up to her. So what uh, what brings you out here today in terms of what the BFT Foundation's all about? Um, you know, obviously helping kids, you know, funding different camps, things like that. What uh, what makes you passionate about that? Yeah, well, helping kids, I mean, kids first and foremost, and then getting them active too. I mean, anything that's like they can find a passion for something that you're not just I mean school's amazing stay in school it's great but sometimes kids don't find their fa their passion there they can find it somewhere else out on the field or doing something in the arts and so that's really important to make sure kids know that they can find something out there that they can love and be passionate about was there something with you growing up that you did you know any sports extracurricular activities that really helped you and therefore you want to kind of help give back today yeah, um, I was lucky in the fact that my parents kind of let me try everything. So if I ever had an interest in something, I got to try it. So I actually did take golf lessons when I was like eight, probably. I don't know if I'm going to remember any of those skills now. But yeah, that for sure. And cheerleading, which maybe a lot of people can tell <laughs> that I was a cheerleader. Um, and then, you know, video production. So when I was young, I was in high school and I and I found out I wanted to do video production and broadcast and, you know, film and editing. So if I didn't find that as a kid, I don't know what, what I would be doing. And talk to me about your golf skills. How, uh, how are you going to be able to play today? Do you consider yourself someone that can contend in this no. tournament? Oh, no. Yeah, contend is way too strong of a word. No. But are you going to hold your own? No. I'm mostly there for the conversation. <laughs> Maybe a couple drinks. <laughs> well, you're good at talking to people, right? Yeah. You know, you're you, like you. You mentioned to me this is maybe the first time that uh, you've got an interview. You're so used yeah. to interviewing people on the other end. Yeah, but you're doing a good job. I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, what? Uh, are you working today at all? Are I you, did work. You did work. I've okay. Been up since two in the morning. Wow. What I'm were you doing at tired. two in the morning? Um, reporting. Getting on up. what? Uh, oh, <laughs> what did I do today? Oh, did you know that we are going to have the largest mosquito outbreak since 2010? Wow. I know. That's not good. And we're out at a golf course, so that's, and I have, you know, shorts on. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> yeah, they come great. out in the evening. So would you say that your job, just to get a quick, you know, just to learn a little bit more about you, is your is your job, what's the ratio with, you know, kind of lighthearted stories? I don't oh. want to say mosquitoes are lighthearted, but. <laughs> no, versus they're very, very dangerous. <laughs> they're did very you know dangerous. you get West Nile virus from a mosquito? I did not know that. Yeah, so I did not know that. The more you know. Uh, you know, but uh, how often are you reporting on things like mosquitoes versus, you know, what are some of the other kinds of stories that you were helped report on? Yeah, that's a more complicated question now since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I was actually originally hired at K2 to be the feature reporter. So I got to do all the fun stuff. So five days a week I was at the beer festivals and the fairs and anything fun happening. So that was my life for a few years and then the pandemic happened and all of that went away. So now I would say about 80 of it is the more serious stuff and I still get to do maybe like 20% now that it's coming back. So, Are you more out in the field or are you an anchor? 
I do both. You do both. Yeah, three okay. days. Three days reporting, two days anchoring. So All Saturday, right. Sunday mornings from seven to nine. That's go, uh, go turn on K two during yeah. those hours, Wesley Ogle. Mm -hmm. Last question for you. Uh, any crazy stories from being out on the field? You know, I, I can imagine as a as a news reporter, you being out, you know, just in the outdoors, being out in the world, uh, interviewing people. Uh, can you share any any story that comes to mind? Oh my goodness, there's probably a lot. Well, you deal with a lot of different personalities. Um, I've blanked a, a bunch. You know, you're on, you're live. You have two minutes to be live, and I just totally forget what I was going to ask the person. And I feel that. That's happened. Yeah, that happens in radio too. <laughs> or somebody gives you a one-word answer. You ask them a question, and they're like, "Yeah," and you're like, uh, "And then you immediately what, have to ask what, the other what question." What I say? Yeah. <laughs> That's happened. Interviewing people isn't easy. <laughs> but fun things like that I'll always remember is I got I've gotten to like fly in a couple jets, so like those were fun. They weren't on live TV, but on TV. Like getting to do that and fly in some hot air balloons. So those are kind of some crazy things that I've gotten to do. There you have on it. TV. Wow. All right. <laughs> Wesley Ogle, first interview of the day. Best of luck golfing today, and thank you so much for stopping by our 750 of the game table. Thank you so much. I'm going to need the, the luck for the golf for sure. <laughs> so that was Wesley Ogle. That was the very first interview of the day. So that one was kind of the uh, the rust buster, the uh, kind of shaking off the cobwebs a little bit, but – she she was she was very fun. Nikki Torres was very fun. I thought you know I I think K two gained. I I was a fan of K two, but I think I I'm gonna tune in to K two even more after interviewing those two people. They were they were a lot of fun to interview. And look at that, you gave her all the luck she needed for where she's at on the on the leaderboard. Tied right for first, <laughs> Wesley Ogle, and then the other squad, uh, Team NSI featuring. 2022 Miss Oregon. We're going to go to a break right now. We're going to take another gander at the leaderboards, keep you posted on what's going out on the course, and then we got about 23 minutes left in the show. Hopefully end it up with a bang right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club located in Aloha for the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. My name is Sean McPherson. Sitting next to me is Jim Ferretti. He's the KXL News Director. We're almost done with uh, the three-hour broadcast here at the golf tournament, and we just took a look at the leaderboards. Uh, keep in mind, Jim and I made our predictions earlier in the program, and I predicted that uh, Ariel Freitag, she is Miss Oregon USA from this past year, Team NSI. I, I predicted that she would, uh, and her team would win this thing. They are currently at minus 17. It makes sense, right? She, she's a winner. I yeah, mean, she's Guinness winner. World Records, uh, Miss Oregon pageants. She's going to be a, a winner at, uh, at flying one day, even though there's not really a scoreboard for that kind of thing. But uh, Well, I mean, her golf strength is a winner, literally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it makes sense with my prediction. Um, and then in second place right now, again, it's kind of, it's well, it's not that much of a cluster. Tied for second is two different teams. It's Mark Radford's team, uh, and it is uh, Wesley Ogle's team, who, oh, we, no. who we just heard from. So, falling off a little bit. Yeah, Georgie and his squad team, Bricks, is currently minus 15. So, they are tied for fourth at the moment. And we should have... 
golfers finishing up here. It's been a long day of golf. They are out in the sun. I mean, we can't complain under here. We are under a roof. We are under a uh, – we're, we're in the shade. We are covered and in the shade, and it's actually very cool. I, I'm not Quite feeling nice. any of the effects of the sun except – any time I've gone out there, it's yeah. it's been a little bit of a struggle. I mean, we're currently looking at 84 degrees, so uh, major props to them for being out there all day. Let's see here. Who is this on 18 now? I can't tell. It looks like – oh, you know who that – that's Fentress. Okay. Yeah. haven't seen Fentress roll, here, nope. roll through here yet. And, you know, there's some people that were hanging out on the deck, yep. and they went right to the golf cart, and they avoided the media. And they <laughs> – and they uh, they started – they started playing right away. So Leave maybe, it to Fentress to avoid the media. Exactly. <laughs> a member of the media. So I was looking forward to chopping it up with Aaron Fentress about the Blazers. Maybe, you know, the, the door's not closed. We kind of have that fourth segment open, hoping to, to put a bow on this thing, uh, you know, with John Canzano, with Anna Canzano, and just hear their final thoughts about how the tournament went. But that uh, is that's determinant on uh, and whether – this thing ends, you know, before 5.45, so we'll have to see. But just, Jim, just an overall recap of the day. I mean, we got here 10 a.m., started interviewing people at 11. We recorded about uh, six or seven interviews here at this table, and then you and I went out fishing for, for interviews uh, with live golfers. And what what was your favorite part about this day? Well, I think my favorite part of the whole day is just the fact that we're out here for the BFT Foundation, honestly. this is It's a great foundation. There's a lot going on here. John told me they're going to raise somewhere between forty and fifty thousand wow. dollars today, and most of that money is going to go to help um, to supply and, and support Camp Exceptional, which starts next week. Yeah, it's just uh, it's been fantastic to, that all of these people have have came out, and I think everyone shows, shares the same sentiment, uh, kind of the overall theme of of this broadcast, and overall obviously the overall theme of of this golf tournament, and that's helping out kids, you know, and, and the overall theme, or I guess the tagline of the BFT Foundation is supporting kids in art, music, education, and athletics. And that it's really cool to see people like Miss USA supporting yep. that. Um, you know, news anchors supporting that. Former professional athletes like, you know, coaches currently. We have Mark Wazikowski, who is another person that avoided the media. He, you know, he's, <laughs> he is, uh, as a head coach, dealing with the media a lot uh, over there in Eugene. But he, like you know, head coaches and, and broadcasters, all sorts of different walks of life, kind of all within the sports industry that realize how important it is to give back. And and then of course we have all of our sponsors who helped out. So uh, just just really cool to see. And yeah, I'm just you know the golfing part of it intrigues me. Like who who's good at golfing? You know, I I don't know what John Canzano's like as a golfer, but today we kind of got to to see that a little bit. How about you? How are you as a golfer? Uh, I'm lucky if the ball goes straight <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I, I'm a, dri I'm a driving range participant. And so I can go to the driving range. I'll whiff one every once in a while. And, um, I'm really good. I, I wouldn't say really good, but relatively compared to my other skills at chipping the ball, um, okay. you know, you get the, uh, you get the wedges out and you chip it. That's my best skill. But if you get a driver in my hands, it, you uh, it's, it's a whiff, it, you know, you might hurt someone if you get a. <laughs> If you get a driver in my hands, and then putting's a whole different animal that I never even practiced. So I, I'm not sure. Could I play in this tournament? Probably with the format that they're using. Right. It's, right. it's pretty generous to, to have minus 17s out there and minus 16s. But um, certainly, certainly, it'd be fun to participate. Um, but yeah, just a, just an overall success. Favorite interview today? Oh man, well, you know I got the chance to talk to Jim Joyce. I mean. 
I, I only got to talk to him for a few minutes, and he's a former major league umpire. He's very famous for a blown call. Um, you know, the cost a, a player a perfect game, and he's lived up to that. And that was the that was the best part about him is he lived up to that. And he knows he made a mistake. But in my interview with him, you know, he lives here in Washington County. He lives in the area. He's hey, I'll come out and do anything with, for you, John. Whatever you need, whatever you need me to do, I'll be there. Isn't that cool that Jim Joyce, like he has one moment that kind of defined his entire life, right? Yeah. But to look at that moment that can be perceived as so negative, to be able to twist that and perceive kind of a you know he he'll laugh about it these days he, he'll, he'll go on interviews you know and, yeah. and talk about it i think that's really cool the fact that you you bring up jim joyce and the casual baseball fan or you know just kind of a lot of the popularity that follows baseball will automatically think oh that's the guy that blew that call like that's something that you see in like a, a sitcom or something like that like that you know that for that to actually happen to someone like someone to be known for one call that they made uh, in a otherwise very successful career of of umpiring, and for him to just be able to um, you know have a positive attitude about it, I think is super admirable. So uh, I I was looking forward to seeing him around. Haven't I haven't seen him myself, but I would say my favorite interview today. Uh, it was just really cool to be able to talk to Miss Oregon. I oh mean, yeah, I just you don't see a Miss Oregon, you don't see a you know Miss whatever state walking around in, in, in just normal walks of life. So be, to be able to talk with Ariel Freitag, just a winner in, in every regard, you know. My 21st birthday, I go to Vegas, and I have a fun time with my family, and <laughs> we just do the normal things, you know. We, we go out to the casinos, and we go to shows, and, um, you know, we go out to dinner together. She goes to Vegas for her 21st birthday. And she says, I'm going to break a world record. And sure enough, she attends 77 casinos. Her mom was cool enough to help her drive her around, uh, basically keep score for her. She attends 77 casinos in the span of 24 hours. She did that back in 2015. She said 78. I had to correct her there. But, man, uh, just a, a wearer of many hats and uh, just such a winner in every regard. I think I'm going to try to break that next time I go to Vegas. I mean, it'll save me money. Dollar A dollar casino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she said that she's going to try to break it herself for her 29th birthday, so she might, she might go back there. She might beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was, uh, it was cool to talk to both Portland State basketball coaches. Absolutely, that was a tricky interview. You know, it's, it's two programs that are kind of going in. I don't want to say they're both going in positive directions, but it's two programs in different, different spots right now. Chelsea Gregg's completely rebuilding that thing. Jace Coburn. He had some pieces to work with in his first year as head coach last year. So it was just interesting to, but also tricky to be able to talk to both of them and, you know, uh, to be able to kind of see how, how much they work together. And, um, you know, just as a journalist, to be able to come up with questions for that apply to both of them, considering the arc of their programs. Right It'll now. be interesting to see where their programs go this year. Uh, like you said, they both came in. Uh, they need an upswing, and one of them's already there. Next one, let's see if they can get there. Yeah, so just a, uh, a a ton of uh, ton of fun interviews today. I mean, former athletes, broadcasters, coaches, and then uh, I think the outlier is is Miss Oregon. I'm not sure there's anyone else <laughs> like her, and that's why I chose uh, her to win. So we are gonna jump to our final break of the show. When we come back, we might have an interview, we might not, but if not, we'll just recap the day and, and bring you uh, some scores right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. 
Sean McPherson and Jim Ferretti here with you for one last segment at the gorgeous Preserve Vineyards and Golf Club over here at Aloha, the site of the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. We just talked about kind of our favorite interviews, uh, you know, some of the best moments of today, and uh, just kind of keeping up with the golf has been fun, getting a, a chance to watch some of these people golf. Uh, and a score update for you, minus 20 right now, is the team with the celebrity uh, of Shantae Leggins, the University of Portland men's basketball head coach, Team Shoemill. Somebody's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is they all they all golf, they all finish their round, and then they, they type it into an app. And so, you know, I was telling you, like, you, you're accusing of cheating. I, I would hope that a bunch of adults that work in sports <laughs> that are promoting youth sports and promoting, you know, organized events that <laughs> there's no cheating going on. Listen, they're yeah. trying to win. Right. They're, they're competitive. Oh, so yeah. that's true. They're competitive. Someone's cheating. Shantae Leggins, you know, he uh, obviously is competitive. He played professional basketball in Europe 2005-2007. He's been an assistant. I was looking forward to talking to Shantae Leggins because he was an Eastern Washington assistant um, from 2009 to 2017. That means he coached against Damian Lillard in the Big Sky. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so I was looking forward to talking to him. Unfortunately, he's another one of the people that uh, that bypass media. You know, he walked by, and I was I was begging, come over, come over. And he said, no, thanks. I, I'm not going to do media today. Uh, no, thanks. Yeah, just kidding. He um, he, We just didn't catch him. Just didn't catch Shantae Leggins. But his team currently in the lead, and uh, we'll have to see what happens the rest of this golf tournament. You have to think it's it's wrapping up pretty soon. But, man, that would that'd be a big win for Team Shoe Mill uh, if uh, – if they were able to pull this thing out, they were they were quite down. Uh, just once again, just thanking the sponsors of this this tournament, making this happen. Uh, that's Bricks Tavern, Kim's Warriors, NSI, Sport Oregon, Northwest Screen Supply, Team Klaus, Lakeside Lumber, Growler Guys, Candlish Family, High Caliber has two squads, Bridgetown Window and Door, Biologic Resources, Gresham Ford, Ticos, The Wall, First Call Heating and Cooling, Shoe Mill, Breakside Brewery, University of Portland, uh, Sport Oregon, and last but not least, 750 the game. Uh, just uh, fantastic to, you know, just be able to sponsor an event like this. And, and you know, the uh, the proceeds, of course, go to, um, you know, just some, some, fantastic, some fantastic things yeah. going on. Amazing. Uh, right. So. Yeah, uh, Stephen, you got the polls coming up. What uh, what are you going to talk about today? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I got some Blazers summer league takes because you know what, the Blazers can still actually win summer league. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. the weird rules in summer league, the Blazers are still eligible to be the champions even though they lost. So I want to talk a little bit about the summer league and what can you take away from it. I also want to talk about uh, this golf tournament. And just you know, me being new here, uh, first couple weeks here, just being a part of this, it's really cool. So I want to talk about mm -hmm. a couple things like that, and uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, BFT tomorrow. Once again, John's got the day off. You and I are gonna are gonna tag team the BFT tomorrow, and um, you know just to be able to recap this day. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I I'll, I'll say this on air. I um as soon as I realized that we were we were uh, hosting the BFT tomorrow, I you know of course my first my first thing that came to mind was who are we gonna get? Who are our interviews? And I, I shot for the moon. I reached out to uh, a Team USA athlete who I actually shared a uh, um, a class with. I, I worked on a uh, on a group project with him, and we became kind of friendly through that. And he's competing in uh, the World Championships coming up. So I texted him, but I, I sorry, 
Yeah, we uh we got Cooper Tier. Um, you know, so I we actually didn't I, I texted him about it and unfortunately he I think he's just locked in uh on the world championships coming up. So um are you are you mentally prepared to be able to run the board? You're doing it all by yourself tonight, the pulse. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I uh I'm very confident in myself, but uh you know, everyone says it's gonna be tough, so we'll see. Yeah, it is uh it is certainly that's a tough gig to be able to run a show. And um and, and run the board by yourself. I I wish you luck, and I uh, wish I could be with you today, there tonight. But um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the BFT tomorrow. Full three hours once again. Uh, Jim, any any final thoughts before we sign off here? It was an absolute honor to be here today, uh, to hang out with you guys, and for this uh, tournament. It's a great tournament to be at. Fantastic cause, fantastic venue, fantastic weather, and amazing people. Uh, just a once in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here at the BFT Golf Tournament. I'll uh, leave it here for the Pulse.